Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. You must listen to the open loops, a theme park for absurd beliefs and systems of integration between the mind and the creative spirit. Open loops. Hello, everybody. We're going to get right to it today because this is a long show, such a long show, but one that as I was listening back to it and literally recorded this last night, wanted to get it out there. It is more, it's actually in a weird way, it's it's much more interesting than I thought it would be because I, I picked up clues that I didn't uh, upon listening back just because, look, it's not that the content wasn't interesting. It was just it was very long, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you the full thing because, well, maybe because I'm undiagnosed insane. I'm not sure. Probably not. Uh, either way, hey, Greg Bornstein here. Welcome to Open Loops with Greg Bornstein, conversations that bend. I'm a cultural hypnotist, a consciousness disruptor, curator of experience, and of course, a proud looper. What is a looper? Well, it's... I'll get to that later. The point is, this is a show, if you've never listened before, about all the things that challenge your existing belief systems uh, in a way that's designed to provoke your unconscious mind with these radically unique ideas and thus allow you to step into the highest version of yourself. Radically unique? What does that mean? Everything taboo. The magical the hypnotic, the paranormal, the supernatural, the conspiratorial, the philosophical, the psychoanalytical, esoteric, abstract, and of course, the deepest questions of them all, who and what we really are. Yes, I am I'm going quick. I'm spitting it out there as fast as I can. If this is, I, I know most of you are probably listening to this at 1.5 speed. Yeah. I just I just doubled it up for you. Uh, if you are, I mean, this is this probably is a good episode to listen at at least one point five. I think you'll pick up most of it. I think you will. Who even knows? My mind is still recovering from this guest, David Brager, author of the Futures Toolkit. He calls himself a white hat hacker. And what does that mean? He's fighting the fight for patriotism, for for sovereignty across the globe, and really the fight for humanity. Now, I know patriotism might be a buzzword. 
I know that White Hat frequently associated these days with this Trumpian alt-right movement uh, fighting against the evil child-eating liberals. Uh, (laughs) That that even sounds Trump. You know, uh, Sleepy Joe, (laughs) child-eating Charlie over there in the the Democrats. Uh, My gosh, I, I really hope... That is, we we never get to a place in politics where child-eating is someone's moniker. But that said, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. What I was a little surprised about was David Brager's views on the Torah. Now look, I... I am skeptical of scrolls written thousands of years ago, supposedly, that dictate rules on human behavior, that that force people to follow certain laws from an external spiritual force that they might not have direct access to that seems restricting. I've always been skeptical of that. I still wonder about the origins of the Torah, the Quran, uh, the, 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 the Christian Bible. I know a little bit about it, thanks to Dan Brown. and uh, Thanks to Dan Brown's correctors, the people that looked at Dan Brown and said, hey, here's what actually happened, and here's what didn't. Uh, I know a little bit about the way the Gospels were, were altered by Constantine and, and all this stuff, but uh, the Torah, no one really no one really has taken the time to say, hey, here's beyond great thinkers like Paul Anthony Wallace, who uh, looks at the old Bible and says, actually, I think there was E.T. writing in there. there there's it, it a lot of the anomalies in the scriptures can be explained by extraterrestrial presence. Yeah, I'm, I'm all with that. Uh, other than that kind of thing, though, for someone to look at the Torah and say, hey, this is a double encrypted virus uh, made me immediately go, whoa, dude, I, I, I know you're Jewish, but are you... Are you sure you 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 support the people? Are you? I mean, are we? Are we? Don't get all whoopy on my butt. Don't get all whoopy on my Goldberg is really what it comes down to. Uh, and no, I, I I don't think that's what David is saying. Um, now this episode also touches on hypnosis too, in this form of merging hypnosis with computer language that David was doing well before we talked about immersive virtual reality. Uh, so that that's a piece of this, but the other piece is that using his hacker brain, he looked at the Torah and has concluded that it was sent from the future uh, as a way of. Mm, as a as something that should not be taken literally, but in a way uh, you should look at it and unpack the deeper meaning that, um, well, actually allows humans to set themselves free. Yes, it, it, in a way, it's it's he's saying everybody should read the Torah, but also not take it at its word, which. Isn't that also what they tell you to do when you're a bar mitzvah or they, they tell you to read between the lines? Uh, he thinks 
it's been cleverly misused over many centuries, uh, and, well, it, it forms the foundation of the New Testament, then the Quran. Therefore, we need to go back to the original biblical source and unpack what is true and what isn't in there and use that, uh, use scriptnosis and hypnosis to waken up our full human potential. Look, I, if somebody is a computer hacker and they tell me that there's a program in the Torah, even if I don't ultimately agree, I'm going to listen uh, at some level and see if there's something there. I, 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 I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by David. I'm intrigued that he knows as many people in the Marines as he does and, and, and the government's listened to him and Ronnie Dangerfield's wife emailed him all that. Ronnie Dangerfield and him have uh, connected previously. He won a Comedy Central Award in the late 90s, I believe, early 2000s. Uh, it, it, there's a lot to this guy. Therefore, I just wanted to have a conversation to, to pick open his brain. And, uh, well... You're going to listen to that conversation if you dare. Uh, yes. Now, look, if you like open loops, please make sure. Uh, actually, you know what? If you can go on Spotify, you click the three dots under open loops podcast and rate the show. Just leave five stars if you like this kind of content. That would help open loops get out there immensely. So very grateful for any and all reviews. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this wild ride of an episode where I'm really trying to really trying to understand this man. Um, hopefully I do a good job. Happy to do another one where we bring someone on to completely debunk him or uh, substantiate his claims about this complex computer mind map matrix that he's ma that he's figured out using the Torah as the baseline for all of humanity. Uh, whoa. Whoa. Yeah, you can hear. I'm, like, simultaneously excited and scared to release this episode. Um, which, doesn't that make that the most fun kind of content? It sure is. Let my discomfort be your in and entry to a fantastic listening experience. David Brager, a yeah. white hat hacker and hypnotist, uh, creator of Scriptnosis, which I've always been fascinated by. One of, you're one of the early names I saw uh, when I was studying hypnosis and really going into the, I would say, the fringe aspect, the fringier aspects of it. That's what drew me about it initially. This idea that you could uh, take people and really take them to other worlds virtual reality using the mind that drew me into it and and you were doing this stuff with computers i mean it's very interesting background and then david as i i reached out to you after looking back at uh some old material um you've really taken this to the next level 
I mean, I, I didn't realize how much of a polymath you are, how much you, uh, your book, which we're going to link to everybody listening to this episode, The Futures Toolkit, How to Program and Interface Humans Using the Scriptnosis Standard. Um, it's, it, there, there's a biblical component to all this. Uh, there's a world stage geopolitical aspect of things that you've managed to connect to uh, what I just think is, um, you know, the, some of the coolest aspects of human potential, the subconscious mind and playing around with it. So we're going to pack, unpack all of that. Um, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Tell me this. I, I, I'm so curious about your background. Why don't we start here? Because I, I don't know um, how you even got into hypnosis. When did that start? Well, in 1982, I had the great fortune of working on the first generation of the Commodore 64 prototype computer. This was before it was released to the general public. And I got to learn memory mapping from Jim Butterfield, who was with the Toronto Pet User Group. He, anybody that was a Commodore geek will remember Jim Butterfield because he was not working for Commodore. He was an independent, but everybody at Con Commodore would send things to him to get his opinion because he knew 6502-based operating systems. This is the baseline computer system long before everything you've got with Intel now. So I called him up and I said, how do you do memory mapping? And he said, well, you poke information into a computer register. You peek at the data that just to take out what you just poked in to see if it changed at all and to watch the computer and see if there's any changes. Well, a year later, a U.S. Army Air Corps warrant officer supply pilot named Charlie Brewer, who lived in Richland, Washington, in a pink split entry house with his wife and a wigwam looking uh, concept hat out the back. He wanted to learn com computers in the worst way. And so Charlie came to me one day and said, David, I've checked you out. You're a good guy. Tell you what, I'll teach you anything you want to know about. You know, if you'll teach me anything you want to know about computers, I'll teach you anything about his hobby, which was hypnosis. And if Charlie Brewer lived to see George Bush's terror meters trigger mass hypnosis on my kids from the White House, Charlie would have gone to his army and built them a case. But wow. he's pushing up daisies, so I went to the U.S. Department of Justice and said the Declaration of Independence says if you see duty against a tyrannical government that no one else sees, if you believe in the Union, you must rise to defend all. So I did. I no longer own David Brager for President.com, but as a communications geek, if you ever get pissed at POTUS, this is the best $10 investment at GoDaddy. Because world leaders will listen to anybody if they don't have to listen to the president. Right. The terror meters went red. The Russians were screaming hot. My Marines were screaming, Mohica, which means, if you don't know the snap of jargon, bend over, here it comes again. Things were a little ugly and tense, much like they are right now. Right. I sent a, I sent a fax to the Russian embassy in Washington, D.C., and delivered tools for hypnosis and remote viewing and space-time analysis. I decoded for a 42-point puzzle in the Gospel of Matthew that the United States Marine Corps carry in the Marine Corps Bible, and no one told 484 years of Marines to this date that these tools are here. I revealed a double cross, and in 2008, uh, 29 August, President Medvedev kindly backed away from the double cross. Blessed of the peacemakers. Now with the internet, there's a lot of work to outrun the work. But at the end of his administration, Mr. Bush looked like a deer in the headlights. Things didn't go as he planned. Hmm. Most of the peacemakers, there's a lot of work. And so 
I've been doing this nonstop using the internet to be everywhere on the planet at once just to protect my kids. If I see something that the president doesn't look like he knows something and needs to know, I write to somebody close at hand. I met with uh, U.S. Secret Service Special Agent David Huntoon at my house. He was with a friend who I never learned his name, but he looked like if I were to give Mr. Huntoon any sort of problem, that uh, he would have made sure that the problems were to end. He would. Uh, Terrifying if he wanted to be, but he was a very nice person. But I never learned those names. Now, wait, this is very and, interesting because I, and again, I, we'll get back to hypnosis, but uh, you're telling me right now that there are people out there in the government who you're not just, I mean, look. Um, even if it, it, the the article that you have, which I think we also should link people to, um, about upgrading patriotism. I mean, if you're to look at that article, you would go. I think this is a tinfoil hat kind of article. I mean, what is this guy talking about? He's connecting the Bible to politics. He's blaming George W. Bush. Well, the thing is that yeah, the, the thing is that we've uh, we've established an, a trust in something without ever questioning who wrote this, what's his purpose, why are we doing this. But when I realized now with 3,000 years of humans, the Israelites and the Torah do not emote, react, or behave like my species, I went, we got a problem here. So are you uh, saying you know, that the Torah, the Torah itself, is this a, thing that is we a virus. Stu- it's a virus. It's a virus. So this thing Somebody that we, we both had a, you know, I mean, I had a bar mitzvah. I don't know if you went through the mind-numbing experience of the bar mitzvah as I have, but... Uh, <laughs> But this uh, is like an ancient scroll, you know? This is a, or supposedly, where do you think it came from if it's a virus? Did, did well, it actually? You, know, it's, it, you have to understand, it was designed, it's brilliantly designed. It, it fails until it succeeds, it succeeds until it fails. When the type of failure is doing, it, uh, as you roll and unroll a lunar calendar on a planet using a solar calendar, it is a problem it's randomly spun away from this based on our position in the book and our position on the planet. We were never doing missionary work. We never intended on this to happen. But Gaijin, which is destroying the Orient, was once our gentility. They saw us doing gentility, and they came up with their own form. They didn't know that we didn't know because we didn't write the Torah. We found this, obviously. But whoever wrote this, this is written in 2022 computer game design. It's encrypted by the author in his own little handwritten cyanide to man. Anybody with literary criticism will see that the most memorable part is at mana in the middle of the book. Slice here, you get four books of rules, half of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and then the player's guide, Genesis, and then the game to the lives of three distinctly different Moses, one fished out of the Nile, one that divides the Red Sea, one that unites the Red Sea, there's three quests for Elijah, Muhammad, and Aquarius. This is why I tackled Aquarius. This is fast. Yeah, I'm an Aquarius uh, too, term. man. I mean, look, we, we were born a couple days before each other. Really? Yeah, that's right. Uh, what year? Uh, how old are you? 19, uh, anyway, I mean, I'm not... 33. I'm 1989. Oh, yeah, 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 you're half my age. I was born in 61. Anyway, so uh, I just, I found something fascinating here that I wanted to know an answer to. Why in the world are we carrying a Torah if Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob don't have a Torah and Moses didn't lead up to see one? And the answer is to teach everyone how everything works all at once. You need an unquestionably accurate example of everything, and you have to play it out all at once. So in 2008, I submitted an article to Brewaha, Los Angeles, which the editors published, 
And there I rose to Aquarius, last prophet for Judaism as a fictional role performed factually. I was born a prince due to a birth defect. In Judaism, when the heir of the royal ends, it then runs on the mother's side, assumed a religion of slaves. I was going, how in the world to get a prince out of this? I was born XXY with Kleinfelds on the XX era of the royal on uh, my mom's side and the XY firstborn son that was born in Mitzvah. I found a 42-point puzzle in the Gospel of Matthew from another Jew for the paper King David who tackled the first of three quests in the Torah. And by rising to Elijah, they went, we don't believe you're Elijah, and they're going to stone him to death. He said, don't stone me, crucify me. Why? Well, humans can see through time as a team. Assign three people to read. Mark, Luke, John, beginning at Mark 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 2, 1, 2, 1, 2. Everybody else in the audience, close your eyes, and this team will teach you how to see through time. And this template comes from the Holy Quran. You are not reading the Quran. You and three friends are walking parallel paths in space-time as Muhammad, who's super intelligent, is teaching the world. What do you do if someone steals the identity of God away from your parents? He created a singularity with Mecca and washed the division logistics of some other species off of humankind to protect the honor of King David, who adulterated Bathsheba and scapegoated her husband who died. As you'll discover, the star of David or David's sins, and we've carried this cross for over 3,000 years. We didn't know what? that empty hands were wiser. <laughs> Look at your hands. Look at your hands. With the return of what Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had, the two commands in Abel's. To make this next decision, in reality, will you or anyone ever label left index to right? Lie, scapegoat, dishonor, torture, steal, overwork, adultery, kill. Now, the argument from the Einstein of the cross is someone, Peter had never been, Peter had been a good guy all the way through the book, but never denied Jesus three times if there's still been a test against lies. And there'd never be three crosses on the hill if there'd still been a test against torture. And they flat out give you the treat everyone as you want to be treated, left, uh, sorry, right thumb. Three things, elements were changed. They rearranged, set into stone tablets in a non-commissioned Torah. And that's why... I'm now going to show you how Einstein's special theory of relativity turned up in movies. Take a piece of paper in landscape format in front of you. Do you have a white piece of paper or something you can scratch on? Uh, yeah, I, I, sure. Yeah, I do. I do, actually. I found one. Okay. On the side closest to you, draw a line across the front. And to both ends, put big dots. And on the dot to the left, write the past and the right to the down to the right, write the future, and then flip it front to back and draw another line across what is now the front. So in your mind, you can see parallel lines. With your eyes, you can only see this one dot, this one line you just drew, and in the middle, draw a single dot. And from here, draw lines to the two other dots on the other side. Now, in your mind, you're having to do this diagonally through the paper, but the reason why you're doing this, take a US $1 bill, put your thumb beneath the O&E, hold it at arm's length, and then close your eyes. And the US founding fathers will teach you how to use the mind's eye to see through time. That's not a pyramid, that's a road through the bill, as those who will last before us backwards in time. And to your right, the whole problem. 13 stars in the shape of the Star of David over E Pluribus and on two different ribbons, in all one, but divided by the logic of the Torah. Forgive them for they know not what they did. We should have left the Torah on the ground and run like hell. For anyone no, who the Torah as weaponry, <laughs> they needed a special trap. The burning bush was a destination of space-time. Study how 
U.S. Army personnel ordered the Gitmo to grow to torture Grimaldi over the art of the Marine Corps, just as a person picking up the Torah. The Torah grew a mold of dishonor over me and made me look nukable to the eyes of others. And I didn't know empty hands were so much wiser. Now, wait a minute. This is this is wild stuff, man. Pretty wild. I mean, these big claims you're making here. Well, um, my, when you go to the upgrading patriotism, the first thing you find in my videos, because my bar mitzvah instructor said the weirdest shit thing to me, I'm sure that somebody else must have had the same experience. But he said to me, David, if you ever have an encounter with a warm light, small voice, then you're a prophet. Well, as I've gone through this with Secret Service, we're not alone on this planet. And the Russian book Alien Races has a whole chapter on messengers. The Internet calls them orbs and other people call them ball lightning, but they're intelligent. And one flew in my right ear and said, I can help. And that really upset me because you know, I'm a big close encounters of the third car and you want the red carpet out, you want the band struck up, you want all, you don't expect something to fly into a dirty ear canal and, and talk. So aliens, ha have they been communicating with you regularly? No, the, no, no. I've had, I, I had one encounter with it flying in my ear and I've caught two on videos. And the thing in the videos, or the, the second video that you'll find on the web, uh, it's just sitting in space-time, but it allows you to see the speed of matter at the speed of time, which is data we didn't have before. It at least yeah. gives us something new to look at. It's like when people look at crop circles and they go, ooh, pictures, and I'm going, this was once a field. And this is in these fields are folded. If you take the time around a scanner and then have the scanner run it backwards in time, you get a fourth dimensional map of space-time of data that we've been ignoring because we're looking through the pretty picture. But, but if you this is, yeah, I, I think the thing that's hard here, though, is to really, and look, I know that you, uh, even before we talked, you wanted to at least have this stuff brought to the forefront of humanity. I mean, you've said it on the show, you want these ideas out there, but I'm really trying to like make this as granular as humanly possible because you've thrown a lot of stuff out there and someone could immediately just say, hey, wait a minute. He's whoa, crazy. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, or, or not even he's crazy, but how does he, it could all be coincidence. I mean, how do you, for instance, let's talk about the dollar bill idea. Why? Okay the dollar bill where do you get this in terms of this idea that the pyramid is this clue for us to be able to see through all of time and space all this it's stuff? not a pyramid it's it's if you look at it in a different way it's a road it's not a pyramid we just look at the wrong angle we're looking at it up and down in two-dimensional logic but if you put four-dimensional logic it's it goes back and back and back and that's a triangular corridor with an eye in it looking at you here in the future it's just a different way of looking through time tell me this david how much of this stuff is your interpretation of reality versus stuff that you can go yeah i can actually point to it because of this reference here and this book here and this 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 and this well the stuff in the torah is is in the torah the the, uh, uh, the literary criticism caught me on the most memorable part being at Mana, and so I sliced there and got the the four divisions of the last half of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are uh, 
the basically environments for Abraham, Elijah, Muhammad, Aquarius, as far as the age of Aquarius and how time was set up. The tools have been sitting here waiting for the world to learn how do you write a tour and set a trap for George Bush on the shoulders of Village Idiot for 3,000 years. We've been looking at space time wrong, but to protect the children far in the future, you need to set traps. Gates of Pearls combined with Pearls from Poor Swine sent 2K recon on Bill Gates being swine because out of the box Windows 10 defaulted to time.nast.gov. And since 2018, twice the time service changed to time.windows.com. The last time I contacted Dr. Judah Levine at NAST and formally filed a grievance on behalf of we the people of the United States that uh, they need to kill Bill because Bill Gates once said, he who controls the internet controls the world. With this underhanded ploy, he does. That's interesting. he endangers the honor of the Marine Corps because uh, the U.S. government protects the internet. You're not saying that Bill Gates engineered a virus and a vaccine. No, 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 no. They, 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 they changed the definition of time away from the U.S. government. And uh, the, the, the operating system, well, this is the second time it's happened. The first time it happened was legal. And they was pissed, but there's nothing they could do about it. They announced it was stopping for support for everything except Windows 7 and Windows 8. But they didn't tell anybody when you bought Windows 7 and Windows 8, the time service didn't go to time.nast.gov. They went to time.windows.com. So the U.S. government had to then send programmers out there to change all the time servers on all their new Microsoft programs so that they're, they're protecting their definition of time and not letting Microsoft backdoor into the time service. The U.S. government was protecting the definition of time to keep the Internet safe. Microsoft could change the time servers did something very dangerous and very illegal. And the second time it happened in, two, in the 20H2 upgrade, I contacted Dr. Levine and said, this is unacceptable behavior. We, the US government busted Microsoft in 1997 for antitrust. This is a whole new monster. This is taking it up another level and saying, we can do anything we want because we got lots of money. No, you don't. You belong to we the people and you either protect your Marine Corps or the Marine Corps got to protect us. And the time has come. I have permission. I I met with uh, FBI in 2010. I sent a letter to, uh, email to Chaplain Captain Michael Parisi, the United States Naval Academy. And I said, do you want to set off the rapture before or after Marine Corps birthday? There's a blueprint in the design of the Gospel of Matthew from a Jew who needs an internet using torpedo logistics to plug the holes in the barrier between fantasy and reality so that nobody goes to war. And so since 2005 to 2006, it took a year to decode the puzzle. Anytime anyone in the world looked like they were ready to go to war with the USA, I email whoever is closest to the position of power and send all these tools and say, these are the Marine Corps Bible. Did you know these are here? The Marines don't know. You're looking at a double cross. Please stay out of this. And it's been very effective. Well, you're telling but me that you is, believe you are directly responsible for preventing America. I, no, I don't think I, it's everybody's working on everything. This, you this believe your intel so served the U.S. I, like for the protection of the United States. You believe your work is. I hope connected. it does. Uh, you 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 do the best you can. I mean, they they you you try your best to protect everybody and we the people. I'm just trying to be effective and get these tools to people who need to know what's here. Whatever Wait a minute. Like, they, the, the FBI actually met with you. These people. I mean, you mentioned yeah. some names before. I, I, they came. Yeah, they came. FBI came 
two, they met with my wife first and they came down. I was at uh, Bruce Ballard's house. And so he came down newcomer and came to Bruce's house and I met with him there. See, this is but, why I don't uh, dismiss you as crazy because if you're, I mean, if people could substantiate that you've met well, with government officials. The, you know, the great thing about being in a country that was created by free radicals, I went to the U.S. Marine Corps recruiting office in Kennewick, Washington in November of 2006, sat, looked a drill instructor in the eye, and explained everything I was going to do. I, finding this, these tools, I was going to do something legally different. President just enrolled. With the internet, I could be everywhere on the planet. I'm going to rise to Aquarius so I can negate the president legally because I believe when I'm done with this, the United States Marine Corps are going to kill the Bush administration for attempting a coup. And the, the look in his eye was, you're really serious, but he just nodded and smiled and didn't say anything. But I told it to a Marine. I went to the person who could kill me outright right then and gave him everything I've got and said, this is what I'm going to do. And I want to let you know before I do it. And uh, when I met with FBI in 2010, after writing to Chaplain Captain Michael Parisi, their only question was, are you going to take a weapon and take the law in your hands? And I said, no. I said, my protectors don't see the attack. I have to build you the case so you can take a computer and see the attack that you've been dismissing. Once you see the attack, you'll see how this has happened. It's slow and deliberate. They made cannabis illegal the same day they made poppy bush opium illegal, and then created the FBI with a rule no agents to use cannabis. Some of the DEA had to fight tooth and nail to get cannabis labeled a hypnotic. It matters. You can skip the entire, we're going to come from 10 to 1, yada, yada, yada. Crap. I was going to ask about that. I saw that in the article. I found it interesting because uh, I definitely had people on this show who have been in favor of marijuana as it relates to the spiritual or the consciousness expansion process. And then I've also heard people say, well, it's a fake version. You're not really like, it's not really doing well for your human potential to smoke weed because it's just, it's a false version of getting you closer to some kind of ascension. Um, I mean, what do you think about marijuana? What, what is your take on that? It, it's and a it, tool. You use it, you use it to accelerate the time between being in a conscious state to being a subconscious state. So you can get things done in the subconscious state and then you get back to reality and do the things you need to do now of course i don't know if you've ever tried to hypnotize someone when they're high but i found it very difficult because they can't focus well if you read through the stuff i do i use a contractual form of hypnosis where every word is explained and agreed upon before orated so the guest has read every word and it's no longer this trust me i'm a hypnotist environment Trust the contract. You've read the contract. You know every word that's coming. And all I'm doing is reading this. Your wife can read it to you. Your husband can read it to you, your lover. Anybody else, you don't need me. Is that what hypnosis is? The empowerment. This is about empowering people to take hypnosis to being something use at home with their family. And they don't need me. They don't need a hypnotist. They need to be empowered and they need to be free. So are you telling me, is that, is that what, now we're getting back. I mean, there's so many, there's so many open loops here. There's so many loops that are open, but. Which is, which is your, which is the, the key to your whole. Uh, <laughs> it is the enterprise. Radio program. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I, yeah, I'm definitely a, uh, a sucker for a good nested loop. Um, and I love all that stuff, but that said, scriptnosis. What is your definition? How would you define scriptnosis? It's, scriptnosis is a, a contractual form of 
hypnosis. That's, it's just, you have to disclose in advance everything you intend. If you're not going to disclose the actual words, you have to at least disclose your intentions so that the guest knows what's coming because the guest is the one doing the work. The hypnotist is just orating. The hypnotist has no powers. And anybody that tells me, oh, I'm going to have, yeah, right. I, I've studied hypnosis for years. The only thing that, that triggers hypnosis is shock, overload, deception, and anticipatory. And I stick to anticipatory. I give people what I intend to do, and they anticipate it, and then they prepare themselves, and then they let it run. And that since I added contracts to hypnosis, since I added contracts to hypnosis, I've had a 100% success rate because the people who refuse to sign the contracts are the ones that would have failed anyway. Now that is, I mean, look, putting aside all this government, uh, you know, seeing through the space-time continuum and mapping it out, your contribution to hypnosis, I think, needs to be recognized here. Um, and again, it's initially what drew me to inviting you on the show though it get i mean you got so much more open loops than i even imagined uh that said yeah let's talk about this for a second i agree okay. with you that in a way the way we're taught traditional hypnosis and change work um is that there is a little bit of reliance on at times i almost feel that it, it reminds me of my background in doing uh magic and conjuring there is a bit of a kind of well if you tell them everything that's going to happen then they might not be as suggestible and that's why you got to do stuff that guarantees success for instance uh, and i know you're familiar with this the the uh, the magnetic fingers for instance um and the audience that doesn't know there's something called suggestibility test that hyp hypnotists will do especially in a stage show right. to prime who will be the most likely to go in and go under and all this stuff so they teach that and they even teach hypnotherapists that uh as a well, way like the eye roll test yeah Right. So you're priming the person in a way uh, to to believe, oh, something weird is happening that may just be a muscle trick. And then you actually bring them in and you're saying you don't even need to do any of that. You believe that the um, you're sidestepping that and getting even deeper phenomenon is that is how did you come upon that? I got pissed at uh, people touching the hypnotist patients. I got absolutely vividly pissed at people being. Uh, raped, abused, touched. If you use a contract, I could run a hypnosis session for a person in Manchester, and it worked. A person in Sydney, and it worked. A person in all over the U.S. and some in Canada. Uh, the the effect of having something that was agreed upon in advance, completely disclosed. The person had the ability to digest it in advance, days or weeks in advance. By the time we got to the, the session, they were ready. And they, they were ready to do what they have to do because I'm not doing anything more than orate. I'm not doing the hypnosis, they're doing it. And being on the safe end of a phone, they can hang up on me. They're in total control. Right. You give control to the patient and you give them the empowerment to take on the lead and they'll do it. Do you believe they'll that do this- it. The thing is people don't have enough tools. They're, they're, no one's teaching this. This should be a 100 level communications class. Right. At any university, it should be called human computational communications. They should stop calling it hypnosis because hypnosis is ooga booga. Right. It, it has no real meaning and scares people. Human computational communications, it is at the crux 
between human communications and computational communications. I, by merging Commodore 64 basic with hypnosis, I started testing, can you do nestled loops? And in the back of the book, you'll find the advanced all-in-one, and yes, you can. From this location to this location in time, go through all of your memories, and if you find a problem to do this, then set up a second loop, and in the second loop, you're going to re-experience the first memory, and then you're going to go back to the beginning of the memory, and now you're going to use your current age-in-life state of mind to experience how you would experience it now with the choices that you make in your life now, and then you replace the old memory with new memory and put the old memory in a filing system. And from now on, when you uh, approach something that triggers this feeling, you act on it with the new value system so the old ones, so you don't repeat making the same mistakes. Right. What about the, I mean, uh, some might say, well, are you removing the, the art from it, the creativity? Well, each person's triggers are for themselves. I had a person that wanted, let's see, creativity. Because you know what I mean? I mean, some hypnotists would say, well, no, it's not a science. And that's why you're not having uh, the results that you are. You're you're just saying, okay. You know, it's it's almost as if, say, you're running the classic NLP uh, fear, the phobia, fast phobia cure. Yeah, there's a step-by-step process. I don't know anything about NLP. I know zippity-doo-dah. Really? I, oh, that's interesting. I, okay. I, I, I kept I kept away from it because I wanted to do my own stuff and, and my own work, my own research. And I think that's kind of awesome. Because actually. I was actually working with computers and using computer logic with it from a Commodore sixty four background. Uh, it just seemed to me the best thing to do is to not muddle it with somebody else's works. I, that's I, so the person who taught me came in from Lacan and Bordeaux. And with the exception of the eye roll, which was a big help, uh, I didn't touch much on anybody else's stuff. I did mostly my own. I, I would go to a party with this started in the 80s. I go to a party and I was, I'm learning hypnosis. Does anybody want to try it? And they line up at the door. And I, I said, here's the thing. I publish. I'm a volunteer and I publish. And people don't have a problem with publication as long as you're not hammering down their their name and all that stuff because some people some of the sessions <sighs> yeah what were some of the I, early I things hip- you were you were doing well we were doing uh at parties we were doing change personality to bring mr spock to the party uh, you you put your yes. personality aside and let mr spock use your avatar and i discovered this works really well because when you ask a person to put their personality aside and ask another personality to come in all of the things that an actor would take years and weeks and months to to get down to seem like they're natural happen instantly yes uh nervous ticks and and fidgeting things that are natural for the character happen and you don't have to act it just the belief systems take over it's it's wild do you when feel I, that you have a different understanding of hypnosis um, than the, the traditional definitions? I mean, versus Elman Erickson's take. Do you think? Do Do you view what's happening with hypnosis differently given your background in computer programming? I, I don't. I have no idea what's happening with hypnosis. I really don't. 
I'm just trying to get these tools out there so the general public can teach the kids. I mean, tomorrow's the start of the Olympics in Beijing. And when the Chinese bought the U.S. national debt, I sent all the stuff by fax to the Washington, D.C. embassy of the Chinese government, thanked them for investing in the USA, and apologized for the paper at King David that these tools were supposed to arrive in China. But by the time we arrived, we carried a document which reads port was unclean. And so this is probably how we ended up in Japan. They marched us to the end of the shelf and went, goodbye. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, we arrived in Egypt with a document that reads that we built the pyramids, so that's how we end up in the Mediterranean. We end up in Greece. We show up in Greece and say homosexual is forbidden. They take us to the end of the shelf. We end up in China. I mean, it's like we got kicked out of everywhere without questioning who wrote this, what's its purpose, why are we doing this? Well, how do you teach how effectively remote viewing works? You need an example, an unquestionably accurate example. And uh, if you read the Torah, it's written straight through from the base of Sinai all the way to the end of the book, and then from the beginning of the book to manna. And once you realize the actual flow, you then realize this was written by one person. But because it was cut and paste around it, it added confusion to its design. And until we learn literary criticism and have the ability to, to uh, flow the function to be discovered, that the Israelites have yet to be human, and therefore it's a teaching experience, it's a it's a learning experience, but it's not a, a Bible. It's it's not to be taken uh, verbatim. It's, do, uh, do you think there is a Bible out there? Is there something that may have come well, from the, the deity? Well, the Gospels are brilliant. I mean, this is an actual life of a person who tackled the first quest and uh, was he went after the son of a bitch who wrote the Torah to get as much of the family away from this monster and try to get healthful, loving things in there without the chaos, because uh, the Torah itself was causing the problems, not the people, the Torah. What we had before the Torah was so much wiser, and having used this for over a decade, it's just brilliant. It, it maximizes my freedom and allows me to make more decisions, hits in, hits in, hits out, to be more effective on a planetary scale. Wait a minute. You said, what, what, are, what have you been using for a decade that came before the Torah, just to clarify? Uh, the empty hands. Two commands using thumbs, eight rules using fingers. The empty hands of Abraham. Uh, it's just uh, to make this next decision, will I or anyone ever lie, scapegoat, disorder, or torture. If you do not lie, you expect them here to eternity ahead of you in space-time for just your avatar alone. And if you do not scapegoat, uh, you take responsibility for every mistake you can find backwards in time. If you Wait, do not oh, interesting. So you're this, saying... This is space-time. Using... These are tools to teach space-time. This is a little bit like kinesthesiology with your fingers, is what you're saying. Like a, like it's I don't a, know. Idiomotor response with, with well, I'm your saying hands. That it, it's a decision. It's a it's a rapid decision process. If you do not uh, dishonor, you respect the peace that you keep with people that are standing next to you as you move forward through time. And if you do not torture, you respect the wake you leave as all of you leave an environment in time. Notice how these are paired. Okay, this is not a symbol in the Hebrew alphabet. This is its own language. 
This never arrived. What arrived was the Torah. If the two commandments and eight rules arrived, the promise on us will peace, not Palestine, and we would have been equal and free. We'd have had computers for 3,000 years, and the world would be a different place. What for... you're saying makes a lot of sense in a weird way. Actually, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense, but but it does make it, sense. It makes this, some sense, yeah. The idea that we would use ourselves, which, I mean, you wouldn't have a Torah without the human being making that transition from what's going on inside consciousness to uh, or in the mind to paper and actually writing it down, relying on the human uh, first as the mode of communication of all of time in history, uh, it's, it does make a lot of sense. You know, they always talk about how you can't learn the me the meaning of life from a book. You're never going to discover it. You discover it inside yourself. I mean, why would other people? Yeah, why wouldn't uh, learning from humans instead of needing a scripture uh, be be the way things actually were? Um, well, but... I went on I went on the internet and researched with people that accidentally triggered with hypnosis, and this is where we start getting into if you could do born again, there would be a reboot sequence to the body, and there are many sequences where people have gotten fresh teeth, fresh hair, a complete rebirth. If go forth and multiply is chaos, then the eternity with your friends would be heaven. On earth as it is in heaven, this is heaven. Something went wrong. Torah's double encrypted to get back to the programmers in the future without them being falling into bad hands. They, they, this is really intelligent. They, they double encrypted the Torah, so it would make the track. But when you get to this end of the corridor and discover what you're actually carrying and break it down into a its applications, you find you're carrying a lot more information than you ever thought. But it was written for the future, not for the past. There's a whole second layer there. The and Torah, the Torah was written for the future. Yeah. If used as written, it was designed to fail. If used as designed, it was designed to teach. But the teaching has to require you to have computers and have the things we have now. It, this is very interesting. really... I mean... It's just it's 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 absolutely incredible that you would have to get something back to the future. But when I merged computer logic with hypnosis and started doing hypnosis, I discovered that it's not hypnosis. Humans are cyborg, high tech and networked. Uh, take, when you take a piece of paper in landscape format and make that that piece of paper, when you go to the side where the dot is on one side, and you've got the triangle to the other side. From the dot to the left, put more dots. These are the screenwriters looking at the same corridor of space-time. As once upon a time, when you apply an opaque of your imagination, you're looking at a framework of intended history in the future. And if you see something in three movies that looks like something horrible heading at your life right now in the news, Figure out if there's any human that can stop it and send them all my stuff. Because anything that can be stopped by humans should be stopped so that the barrier between fantasy and the mind and this reality is safe. That's how it can scatter faster than we can gather. There's a shared imagination. How have, um, have you used this? I mean, I, I'm curious of an example of bringing this down to earth well, in your uh, daily life. Well, uh, You've got uh, Voldemort and the Death Eaters and Harry Potter. And you've got 
the cardinal and the cardinal's men in the three musketeers and you have uh the empire and the emperor in return of the jedi and each author is looking at the same corridor space time and seeing a point related system of violations of the barrier between fantasy reality and sending advanced recon that if the marines knew how to triangulate the data they'd be able to use this information hmm because when you see something in the news that looks like something you've seen in three different movies, uh, you're looking for a single construct in three different movies that looks just like a single construct you see in the, movie, in, in the news. And everybody's seeing what everybody's doing. There are no such things as secrets. Now, I found what, a hive collective. What makes you, uh, I mean, I, I, I get the whole... Hmm. I, I guess I'm always wondering how much is a metaphor and how much you can actually break down to programming in the true zeros and ones sense. Because you can also say, well, wait a minute, is he just describing uh, archetypes and the hero's journey and Carl Jung and, and this kind of stuff? I mean, what you're describing the form, which makes sense. And we see form throughout narratives and all of history. But what clues you in? that this is something more than just, uh, you know, how humans tell narratives. Okay, well, if you ask a person to go back to the beginning of a memory of isolate a feeling they had in their life and go back to before they ever had that one feeling and they will expound on life as they knew it at that stage and age of time and all the decisions that they made that caused them to feel this one feeling that is triggered from them coming into that type of situation from that moment on mm -hmm. and you can go back to the beginning and ask them okay now using your current value system your current age and life state of mind how would you do it differently and then ask them to replace the old, the old memory with the new memory, and it changes the way they process. This is just like computers. You fix the errors and then allow the system to change the error processing. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes sense to me. I, I, I totally get if, that. If, if somebody could come up with a way of how exactly could the human body attack coronavirus. Dr. Reed Barabas at Washington State University took 44 students in, I believe, 1999, showed them all a video of how the human body makes white blood cells, hypnotized half, and then uh, woke them up. And before they did, before they saw the video, he took white blood cell counts of everybody. And mm -hmm. two weeks later, after, after uh, showing them the video, he hypnotized half and said, take what you just learned and make it happen. So both the hypnotized and the non-hypnotized take what you just learned and make it happen. And then both the hypnotized ones up and two weeks later took white blood cell counts and all the hypnotized ones had higher white blood cell counts. I'm going, if that type of suggestion where you show a person, you educate them, you intrinsically bring them up to same of what their potential is and then suggest them to enact what they've just learned. If we could fight coronavirus by reprogramming the avatar to do battle at the DNA or the quark level, let's do it. I'm dumping my tools right now through your website 
to anybody who wants to learn so that maybe we could attack coronavirus and discover what our greatest potentials are with these avatar systems. Yeah. I got to give away the razors to sell the blades. If I'm, if I'm on social security, the best thing I can do for my nation is bring my best work and do the best I can so that we, the people are free. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I know the Torah is wrapped up into this and this, this uh, George W. Bush thing. And I know there's a little bit of, 9-11 questioning going on, which we'll get to. Um, but here's well, uh, that was just that was just for stopwatches and and uh, just standard math. I mean, all, you you watch the first plane heads and you start two stopwatches. I mean, all I did was count time. The only thing that was interesting is that the impact of the first tower set off the seismograph in the second tower, which is why it fell first, which then reveals that the first bombing was a duck. Interesting. What about that World Trade Center Building 7? Why'd that go down? Do you know? I, well, I, as I explained to the, uh, to the uh, FBI, and I explained uh, to the FBI anti-terrorist unit in uh, New York City on 656, I called them up and I said, I have a question about the towers. And the agent on the phone starts droning on and on and on about every permutation they've already considered. No, 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 no. I'm not asking about the towers that have fallen. Have you ever run bomb sniffing dogs through the remaining towers of the World Trade Center? And the agent on the phone, and this is 656, the day before the dreaded 666, goes, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, give on the phone. Now, I'm a former original police cadet, and that's what you call a good tip. They caught an Al-Qaeda unit coming in from Canada. They didn't know where they were going. Why do you attack the same towers over and over and over? Apparently, whatever happened the first time didn't happen. And so I, I called them up. I had a concern, and apparently my concern hit a net. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, that's a wild story. Um... Well, the thing is, I... I the declaration of Pettis as if you see duty. I saw duty. I, I my my long distance calls were horrible, but uh, uh, I want to teach human computation communications at the 100 level at some university, and nobody's teaching hypnosis at all. And so they're doing terameters and Geico ads. The guy who taught me hypnosis in the 1980s was afraid of nothing except Geico ads which use shock, overload, and deception to trigger a subconscious state so you buy their advertising. Wait, Guy, and, Geico in the 80s was doing this? Yeah. And, and the thing is that uh, Geico's been doing it all the way through. And when Rupert Murdoch bought Geico, he stated if he could throw more money at the ads, he would because they're so effective. But he shows no sign of knowledge of them being using hypnosis. And so I contacted his son, who's a sheriff, and said, I am personally shielding your dad. She shows no sign of knowledge of what the hell is going on with Geico. The government employees insurance company attacked the U.S. government. They attacked the U.S. government. They didn't tell anybody that this stuff was here. And uh, if people knew hypnosis, they would not allow terror memes. They would not allow Geico ads. They would not allow abuses of the public. Tell me this. Um, you you believe that actively. Do you do you think when it comes to matters of mind control and and mass hypnosis that there is somebody that well I, I, I know uh, Scott Adams who writes Dilbert thought that Trump had actually formally studied 
hypnosis because of the way he communicates and stirred people's emotions. I can believe that because he owns casinos. There's a lot of hypnosis uh, in hypnosis uh, process, I should say, in uh, the design of casinos, especially the fact that there aren't any clocks. Right. Your perception of time is shifted because you don't know. Uh, you, there's not night and day. There's not uh, anything that resembles normality. You're in a fantasy world, and that fantasy world is going to take you as far as your money will go. But is there, do you believe in, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm intrigued by your use of teaching people hypnosis because some people are out there saying, you need to learn this stuff because MK Ultra has been happening for years. The government understands mind control. They're playing frequencies, like sound frequencies, to mess with people's consciousness. Um, I mean, what do you say to all that, the government actually using mind technology to mess with our heads? I don't think the U.S. government itself is. I do occasionally run into things where I've seen what I think are someone's playing with something. I, my my friend Bob is a Marine, and we were noticing that we were perceiving something that felt like music, and they both realized we weren't listening with our ears. We were listening with something that kind of was vibrating in our bones. Hmm. And it was, since we had the same experience at the same time, we just, we sat there and talked about it and going, you know, I'd heard about this type of stuff, but I hadn't really experienced it before. But now I'm at least aware that it's possible. I'm not crazy, but I'm, I'm standing with a Marine and he's going, I just had this experience and I had the same experience. And I'm like, okay, well, that's now plausible it's no longer just simply impossible yeah yeah you uh, see until enough until enough people have experienced something uh the best thing to assume is i had an experience and that's it if you strongly believe in anything it's the easiest way for someone to look at you and say you're nuts and i've had enough people look at me for years and say you're nuts until things started to make sense because i got into them years before other people did and my primary purpose was for immersion gaming, because if you believe something is real, your mind will build you any environment you want, and it will either superimpose it over the reality you see, or it will supplement under it. I've seen everything we see in uh, Sprite layering with the types of things I ran into with hypnosis gaming. And so I really started looking at it going, what could we do with this? How far could this go? And then I started looking at, well, what would we have to do for the public before we could ever get there? And you have to give away tools for parents to teach their children. So all the ooga booga hocus pocus goes away forever. And people are comfortable with it and they're adapting it and using it in their lives. And it's not crazy. And the only way to do it for me was to come up with something that required disclosure on a contractual format so that people saw what I intended and they knew what they were being specifically designed in my process to accomplish and what I intended to accomplish in the course of the, the session. And it was great. I mean, people who never were involved at any point in the hypnosis process were able to interact 
at a different level, and we write these scripts out, and and they knew more aggressively what they were going to attack in their memories, what they were going after. And it was exciting because people who thought that I have to trust the hypnotist and I don't trust anybody. Well, fine, then trust yourself. Let's do this completely where you do the whole thing. I'll, if you want me to participate, I will. Otherwise, I'll just help you write the script. Yeah. Are you making, I mean, could a hypnotherapist listen to this and go, oh, God, she's making my work seem less interesting. There's going to be no use for me anymore. It's quite the opposite. I mean, this is a completely untapped communications field. You can write and sell software for the mind uh, and skip using computer graphics. You could interact with, uh, well, the, the most obvious one with casinos is would be a, uh, a automated room where a person could go in and listen to a thing and have an accelerated sleep encounter and get hours and hours and hours of rest in a very small amount of time so that they can go back out to the casino and have more fun for a longer period of time. Why do you believe so much in the, uh, I mean, well, you know what? I know why, because you've experimented, but but I want to know just because I don't think I've exper experimented on the edges of this enough. Uh, tell me this, David, what is actually possible in hypnosis that you don't think 99% of hypnotists even realize? The, the, the scariest thing was personality replacement. Uh, I am seriously of the belief that, that I've tapped into a hive collective. If you ask someone to put their personality aside, ask for the personality of anybody and just watch the transformations. The, uh, if Instead of dying, you were supposed to either have a child that was born and then transfer your personality into that. That would be one way. The other way would be born again to get younger and younger and younger. But uh, it's just with, with the Israelites not being human and the Torah being double encrypted and the emphasis on earth as it is in heaven, uh, I think that we're in a high-tech environment that's going into chaos and needs 144,000 white hat hackers to learn this stuff and figure out what we've got here and see if we can do things. If you uh, go into the book Alien Races, there's an appendix and says there are lines on your planet and suggest you follow them. Well, the book came out in 79, and I didn't get Google Earth until like 2000-something. And so I got to look at Google Earth and I'm going in, wow, there are lines on the planet. And I followed them to latitudes eight south, 108 west, where at like 3,000 miles out, you see a Mr. Spock's shin symbol with a ratio of four to one to left and two to one across the top, 42. The ultimate answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything is 42. And you have to understand how the question works. You're looking, you're searching the world for or anything for three different concepts where you have two apart from one in two different ways. Like if you, just for an easy example, if you put up two fingers in your middle finger and your index finger, sorry, your, yeah, your index finger and middle finger on one hand and your index finger on the other hand, you have two index fingers, but you also have two fingers on one hand. So you have a set of four and a set of two. Once you've met a set of four and a set of two, equilibrium, Squeeze all three concepts together as one and see what is learned from that. Now, fishes, loaves, raising the dead. 
Fishes and loaves are food. Fishes and raised dead can be grown from a single cell. What type of technology 2,000 years ago did 3,000 people witness? Matter rearranging technology. Go search YouTube for people phasing in and phasing out. There's something here that we have been dismissing that maybe is higher tech than we know it to be. We need people to... phasing in and phasing out. You're telling me that there are clips of people. There are clips of people phasing in and phasing out. It's they're not ghosts. They're a person that is is materializing, and the, the teleporters are here. Wait if, a if minute. If this stuff is here, we've got to figure out how to use this. That is a uh, and you're telling me you look at these and you go, yeah. I mean, you're a I, smart I just, guy. I just it's know, not video I just, editing. Yeah. I, I just watch so goddamn many stupid videos, and when I see something that looks like something else, I was I connected to my um, uh, I've got a, a list of videos that I've noted as part of uh, my project, and so I listed in. And there's just there's so many strange things that with enough people observing, you can look at a video and go, that's not possible and then you see another video and another video and you realize if you can move the body without rolling away with stone two thousand years ago that's a wormhole there's a whole bunch of wormholes on youtube go look oh you gotta send me these, been, your videos man i want to see this collection this sounds fascinating well uh, if you go to uh my my david brager channel on on youtube did you save all of them you save them all. People can check it. I out. just yeah, you just check them off and, and save them, and it's just one long list of uh, a playlist of videos, which is weird shit. But uh, <laughs> so we're talking. Well, the thing is, I, yeah. I watch weird shit because the internet is full of people to put uh, CCT cameras out, and the technology that we humans have built didn't know that we humans have filters in us, so we don't see things that. Uh, the technology we built sees. Right. Well, then what we about the argument filters. that some of the technology doesn't see, uh, isn't able to catch? You know, that's the thing with the UFOs, right? They, they, it, our technology, our cameras can't capture clear pictures because they're moving too quickly. I don't know about that. I, I'm just of the opinion that our technology is smarter than us in some ways because it doesn't know that it's supposed to filter things but we've been filtering right. things right <laughs> this is very interesting go get water if you if you need to get water did you ever see a search youtube for unidentified flying humans and search for dynamo magician impossible doing high altitude levitation and chris angel doing high altitude levitation they're going straight up and straight down, which is consistent with what technology unseen would do. They're not, they're not flying through the air. They're not doing Superman. They're just going straight up and straight down, which would be consistent with basic understanding of simple technology without knowing everything. We have technology that looks like may be sitting here dormant waiting for us to grow a fucking brain. And Wait a minute. Yeah, but you're not saying Chris Angel is actually... Uh, you're not saying Dynamo and Chris Angel are actually superior beings. You're saying that uh, this is just something everybody can do, and these two guys figured out how to do it. And they're making money doing it. Wait a minute, well, but you don't believe Dynamo. it's an illusion? You don't think that there's like a hidden? No, I don't think. I don't. I think this is mind over matter. I think there's something here. These guys are going way too high, and 
there, if there was a crane or something, it would be visible. These people are using uh, something else and hypnosis is something else. And if we have access to a, uh, a matrix here that we need to get programmers to stop playing with their computers and start learning the stuff so that the actual people who know computers can get on the stuff and hack out some technology and figure out what we've got. Instead of dismissing it as Uga Booga Hocus Pocus, we need people who can understand things and document them and write good stuff. The IEEE, that type of people. The people who establish patterns of behavior so the stuff stops being abused by abusive people and is utilized effectively by the whole civilization. Now, wait a minute. Do you think if somebody comes to you, though, right now and says, hey, David, uh, actually, Chris Angel came out and said this was a crane. Uh, would that would that crap on your entire argument? Would you hate that? Probably, probably. <laughs> okay, but at least you're open. At least you're open to being. Uh, yeah, you know. the, the thing is that I didn't see anything there that could possibly have been, and especially with with Dynamo Magician Possible, what he did there was fantastic. But uh, I, quite frankly, haven't seen anything from. Um, David Blaine to even suggest that his level of levitation is anything more than stage stuff. You could probably do the, the the David Blaine stuff with his levitation. I haven't seen anything from him that's all that fantastic. But. You mean Chris, you mean Chris Angel? Sorry, I get that. No. A lot of people get him confused too. No, um, David Blaine is oh. is uh, doesn't has done little levitation things, but they look like like they're uh, controlled machine. Yes. You know, the tricks. What Dynamo Magician Impossible did at Rio, if you get a chance, that's the one to see. Wow. That's, that is, that is, it, he, he was in Rio in front of the, uh, the Christ statue, and he's not around anything, place where you could put up a crane or a helicopter without it being seen for miles and miles and miles. Yeah. And his levitation was quite effective and i'm looking at it going there's going straight up and straight down there's there's technology here we're not seeing that we should be seeing but for some reason we don't what do you but think that is obviously is that predictive is that i don't know is it predictive programming to put something out like that so the public can see this is happening and then once they disclose we've had anti-gravity technology we're all going to be okay with it that that's what a lot of people might argue i, I have no opinion i really don't yeah. Uh, you're so interesting you're so full of well, the ideas. thing is that that in this environment being as hostile it is you must be open to as many ideas as you can and give people the freedom to discover on their own i just bring tools i'm not here to sell things i'm here to deliver what i found so i have a level playing field and no one's left behind and if you don't want to learn that's great but uh, tom yeah. peters always said in search of excellence said you go to the person that's at the 95 yard line and push him five yards across the, the goal line and then go to somebody at the 90 yard line. You don't start with somebody that doesn't want to know. Right. Right. Um, so then wait, am I the, am I the 95 yard line or are you the 95? I feel like you are. I don't know where I am. I've been playing a sport in my life. Um, no, I mean, look, it's, uh, this ah, there's so much to unpack here. Let me let me ask you this: in terms of people going into hypnosis, uh, the personality stuff, 
people often say is associated with a deep somnambulistic trance state. You have to bring them the, the and, and not everybody can get there. Not everybody can experience full-blown hallucinations or even amnesia sometimes. Uh, I agree. And, and specifically deep trance identification. Do you believe with the personality stuff though? Um, is there, yeah, in your experience, what makes someone more hypnotizable versus less? And do you believe it is possible for everybody to get there? Uh, I, I don't have an answer on uh, if everybody can do things because people are brought up differently about everything. And especially in this current environment, uh, if you don't take the time to feed both hemispheres and make something interesting to a person, they're not, they're not going to finish the book. They're not going to read everything. So I, I don't have uh, enough information to guess if, I'm ever going to be able to get everybody to understand this stuff. But in my research, uh, we did uh, Car Wars, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the movies, The Wizard of Oz, The Matrix, uh, Avalon, Avatar, and each of these situations, the guests were, they were in the movies and it was all real and the experience was so believable. We did total recall and I, everything, every time, every one of them came back just blown away by how real the experience was. If you can have total recall without buying an Xbox and you don't need video glasses and all you need is a streamer, we have a completely untapped radio system. Uh, reboot here. Radio needs a miracle. Now, what miracles do we do? must what... never come with price tags. No, no, of course. But I mean, you know, what would you say to those people out there? I, I'm worried about me. Really, is what it comes down to. I, I would love to experience the real life. I mean, I think what you, and I've seen you post about this. You're talking about the metaverse, but for real. Um, it's. Hmm? This is the real metaverse. You are and one of the original people to talk about this and how interesting that you are also um, coincidentally in the computer programming world, but you were more interested in the mind than necessarily using computers to bring people to mix. Though I am curious where, where, where you want to take this. I'm sure there is some interface with actual technology, but you're saying you don't even need it. You can use the mind. The mind's a computer. It can do all this stuff. Um, but what about those of us that struggle? to experience hypnotic phenomena. I mean, are we going to be left out of these transcendent uh, experiences then? Well, first of all, I think it has to do with how far does your imagination go? Can you have a good imagination? Hmm. Because the imagination is a programmable state. And with my programming uh, research uh, in merging computer logic with hypnosis, I found that the way the human mind thinks in as far as dimensions, it thinks about points, zero-dimensional logic, and it can see a whole swarm of only points in your imagination. And so it's zero-dimensional logic because each point is an individual point and it can go all the way down and just concentrate on just one point, but also has the ability to see a swarm of the points so they can see continuity between different values based on environments and time. It's just amazing how the mind can process between the dimensions. And so, boy, I get off track so bad, I'm sorry. 
No, no, it's all good. So you're talking about the the how deep in the imagination someone can go in order to be completely absorbed. Because if if you have the ability to imagine, the tools I bring allow you to program that imagination. And it's whenever two or more gathered, not ten, just two, because self-hypnosis doesn't work for this stuff. You really need to have you have to write something up and give it to someone you trust, and then they read it to you. And so, but because you have read it, uh, written it, and they have read it, the matrix can cross-check between the two of you, and then from that trust whether or not to download the knowledge. So now the knowledge, if you ask it for questions, uh, people have gotten answers. And the the thing is, I'm not going to go in their heads and tell them if they're right or not. They're the only ones who are going to know what's right or wrong. But the download rate to relive all of uh, education from kindergarten to to 12th grade and four years of college, but going through the whole process of from kindergarten through and changing all of the wrong math questions so that all the answers are right, and then reliving the memory. What the human mind is capable of doing is phenomenal. And yeah. this, we're not using our potential. I brought tools so parents could teach us stuff so that they could. And I, I simply have the limitations of, I don't know how far you can teach yourself. I brought tools I thought were easy to use. And with one other person, the two of you could unlock everything. But that's, that's why I did this, where two or more are gathered, so that families could bring this stuff into the family and keep it within the family. You don't have to have some alien person in your house that you don't trust. You can keep everything because uh, this trust me, I'm a hypnotist stuff is absolutely dangerous. It's dangerous to the hypnotist and it's dangerous to the people. Now, what makes you, I know, I know at the beginning you were saying, you know, avoiding sexual assault and, and creepy other things that could happen. Um, did you encounter anything early on when you were studying hypnosis that made you particularly go, yeah, this is weird to have there this was, in Washington, figure. in Washington state and the news, there were a number of hypnotists over the course of years that were touching people inappropriately. Oh. Terrible, and yeah. Well, the thing is that I, by coming up with a way that I could run a hypnosis session, but by letting someone stay in their own home, in their own bedroom, in their own bed, in their own comfort zone, and the doors are locked, and they have all this stuff that they know that is protected, they relaxed, and they gave up all this uh, fear that they had built up against hypnosis, and they trusted me, and the trust is everything. And as long as you don't betray the trust, they won't fuck with you. Isn't it interesting, too, that you're kind of ahead of the game in the sense that once the pandemic happened, everybody moved to being online. And, and you hear this all the time from hypnotists going, yeah, I love this more because people are now in their own home. So they're comfortable. I can run sessions. And um, it's just it's much more inviting than having them come to my office and sit in a chair that millions of people have sat in. I mean, you yeah. are kind of the original uh, virtual hypnotherapist in a way. Thank you. I have no idea. But, uh, <laughs> fair, the enough, fair enough. Well, the thing is, I can't when. When Joan Dangerfield sent me an email and said, you're the most creative person in 100,000 emails, I went, that's very nice because she probably gets millions of emails. So I'm probably in a group of maybe 20. 
that's you know, Ronnie that's, Dangerfield's that's, wife. Ronnie Joan Dangerfield, just one of the nicest people on the planet. Yeah, how did you encounter had, her? What's the story there? Well, uh, she ran the, the website, and he ran the website when uh, she he was off doing sets. She she would answer emails, and I would brainstorm because when you do hot humor, the more the minds the, mer- the merrier. If you're invited, and they kept liking my responses. I submit something and I submitted something that Rodney Dangerfield should go out and do uh, the Rodney Dangerfield collection of fashion and sure enough entertainment or it's either extra entertainment took him up on that and uh, he got a gig out which you know a paying gig is worth doing and they thanked me for the idea and the thing is it's just being creative around creative people is fun but I was going to say you also have this creative side you have this comedy writer side of you which is fascinating too well, the nice thing about being the last story in the first Darwin Awards book is that's a milestone. Everybody else in comedy can kiss my ass because I'm the first. I mean, that's who in their right mind would. My brother said to me, now who's going to hire you? And I said, look, in comedy, that's a milestone. But I contacted Brian Doherty at the Friars Club and said, look, this is a new field of comedy. And the emphasis is to make actual Smithsonian quality history factual history do the work with the internet i can use time and date stuff for a third party so you don't have to trust me it's on the internet and by making factual history made but not made known i can explode a myth to expose a problem so fast no one has time to pan so everyone has time to laugh and that's what comedy is all about is to make people at ease and to give them a reason to uh explode with uh orgasmic laughter if you can uh comedy has a lot to do with sine waves and you really have to be very careful because you don't want your audience being their pants but if you right right but if you with comedy you have to wait and then until they're calm a little bit then bring back because if the laughter builds and builds and builds and you can get people where they get laugh jag and then they can't stop laughing and not only is it an embarrassment for them, but it's also not fun for the audience around them. But what? Uh, has anybody, I mean... I, I had laugh jag once as a child, and I was not happy about it because I couldn't get out of it. I was on stage. I couldn't stop. You were laugh jacked. Laugh jag. It was like, it was like uh, I couldn't stop laughing. It was a, uh, um, Who a did terrible... Uh, me! I was on stage trying to perform something and I couldn't stop laughing. It was hmm. just, it was a, but I was about five years, about fifth grade. It was in fifth grade at a uh, talent contest. And I would think that I a comedian a would w- want to, though. Wouldn't you think? You know, like a comedian no. would want to laugh. No, laugh, Jack, laugh, Jack, you're laughing and laughing and laughing so hard that you can't tell your lines. Yeah, you can't tell the, the next audience joke, is not participating with you. Uh, you're hurting yourself because your your vocal cords are being challenged. Uh, it's m- much like really bad uh, coughing with uh, really good cannabis. But uh, right, right. 
my gosh but, <laughs> but if a comedian is so lot. good if a comedian is so good that they can get uh, a full audience to laugh jack every time i mean uh, well, that person you, has to be a talent really right? have to be, you have to be careful and there's, uh, there are some comedians that are very very aware of the time elements and so they make sure that that people are laughing and breathing and laughing and breathing and so they're not getting sick you give them enough time to recover and uh, it's when people don't get enough time to breathe in between that they start having problems and that's unhealthy. And comedy is it's very healthy for people because it allows them to deflate uh, from the stressors of reality. And did you deconstruct laugh. humor as part of your uh, explorations? Did you did you break down like what makes something funny and what doesn't? With my book, I came down to the conclusion that when you cover things that are really, really, really dry, you have to have something that's really, really wet to feed it. You have to feed the right hemisphere so that you're dealing with uh, really creative stuff, but you also have to feel the left hemisphere when you're dealing with the, the properties and the, the important stuff. And so in my book, you'll find a section on neural interfaces, which I was working with neural interfaces in the 1980s and Synapse had come out with an electromyograph interface and they were selling it, as you could call it, they, they called it relax. And you'd relax down to a point and your, your balloon on the screen would float down and down and down to float off the screen. And then you'd have to wake up and reset. It was a pain in the butt to use for the way it was sold. And so I found that if you, if, if I bit my teeth together, I could peg it at one side. And if I'd relaxed my jaw, I could peg it at the other side. And somewhere in between, I could set a third area. And so using like a, a Dymo labeler, I had a string of characters, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way through numbers, and then a space and a couple of characters, and then repeat. And I put a square box in the middle of the screen, and this was in the 1986 or so. And I came up with headwords and got a contract with Synapse Software for the first hands-free typing program. You'd be able to type with this thing. It allowed you to control a typing system with your mind. Wow. And Synapse... Synapse was bought by Broderbund. Broderbund saw biofeedback on the door and killed the whole division. I was so pissed. We had to start completely over. And in China, in I think it was what 2006, they had a an international symposium on neural interfaces, and that's like the first time what the field that I was in looked like it was going to take back off again. So. Hopefully it will be out there some, but wait a minute. Are you are you rich? Are you? No, rich? I'm on social security. I'm not rich yet. No, I I had to do this. You've paid me for my best work. The Declaration of Independence is I I see duty. I took the ASVAB, but because I'm born XXY with Plankfields and the U.S. Army said no to joining, but because I learned hypnosis from a U.S. Army Air Corps warrant officer. It was my duty to build this case and to teach hypnosis to the army, at least, so they'd see what I see, so they can 
protect because they're not protected because they didn't know they'd been betrayed most by people they trusted. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. This is all kind of, Now, look, I'm trying to understand here um, a lot. And I, I, mean, I don't even know if we'll, 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 we'll get. No, no, no. Don't apologize. I mean, there is just. A I, lot. Say, I learned hypnosis from Charlie Brewer in 1983 who wanted to learn computers. That's where he came from. He was already mentioned earlier. Yes. And uh, if Charlie had lived to see George Bush's terror meters, Charlie would have blown a gasket. And so let's get to that. To what is that? Army. What is a terror meter? Well, uh, what George Bush had. Remember them? They, they were, the, the terror meters are green. The terror meters oh, are yellow. Oh, right, right, right. Code orange, code, yes. They only went to red once, and the terror meters went red when the Russians were screaming hot, much like they are today. And things were a little tense. And they were talking, you know, like they're talking now about Biden going and sending troops to Russia. And right now would be a good time to show how to go this puzzle, what tools are here. The Russians were given bad advice to burn Bibles. These tools were in the Bible. The best way to make peace is to deliver everything to both Putin and Biden and say, I'm sorry, the family of David was supposed to deliver this stuff to Egypt, Greece, and China. By the time we arrived, we carried a document which is we built the pyramids of homosexuals have been clean. We got the shit out of us, and these doors were slammed in our faces because we got to carry a big double cross so that if anybody decides to use it as a double cross, they're fucked. Now, wait a minute. Uh, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You threw a lot there, too. Um, so wait a minute. You're saying that – I'm trying to break this down in, in terms we can understand. Um, this war, the war the, – the, okay, start very simpler, simply. The meter, this war on terror. Um, now, on one level, I mean, um, this comes out of NLP, really, which is like terror – is the ultimate nominalization. I mean, you can't put it in a wheelbarrow. It's it's not actions. It is a hypnotic word. There's no way. You don't end terror. I know comedians were talking about that, too. Um, what, do you, what What is the hypnotic aspect, though? What? Why do you think hypnosis was misused with George W. Bush? Well, um, when you apply stressors to society that are clearly defined and understood, uh, people are able to respond and know what to do. They used to have civil defense uh, shelters and they were, they had blankets and you knew what, if the sirens went off, you knew what you were supposed to do and you had very distinct behaviors and, and everything was safe. And all that shit's gone now. And pe when terror meters came out, people didn't know what to do with them. And they were actually afraid because they weren't clearly defined as to why are you telling us this stuff? But Bush was a bully and he was terrorizing the public so he could attempt a coup. By selling the U.S. national debt to China, if the Chinese ever decide to pull that loan, the public will panic uncontrollably and the American dream dies due to mismanagement as weaponry from Bush in violation of his oath of office. And I'm a former real estate appraiser 
And when I saw how this is a fake foundation beneath people's trust in their real estate, they'll see why if you ask the United States Marine Corps to go and take care of this problem and make it go away, uh, we were attacked from the White House four administrations back in violation of oath. And this attack weakened by spending down all this equity to Halliburton, Dick Cheney's own company, which wasn't a public bidding process because if Beckel or somebody else had been allowed to bid, they would have run up a red flag and said, there's a problem. We didn't know. They spent right. down the economy and caused an invisible tsunami and antitrust in economics to roll forward and collapse beneath Obama. It didn't matter if John Cain, John McCain or Obama won, the weapon was built by Bush, but it was a replicate of what uh, James Buchanan did to Lincoln. It didn't matter if Stephen Douglas or Abraham Lincoln won. James Buchanan spent every dollar he could find and created a problem to roll for it and collapse beneath the next administration. Twice against innocent men from Illinois is not random. Hmm. These, we have patterns. That's why uh, Major General Smedley Butler wrote War is a Racket with computers. Rackets have patterns, and patterns can be tracked. And so I went to the U.S. government and said I applied Internet Tools to History. A world map is a calendar year. Humans are data packets. Lies are viruses. Everyone faces forward in space time. People who lie as a team, bad advice goes to all sides. People slam into each other as wars. And here, these people who gave the bad advice are selling opium to both sides and oil to both sides. My lying is a team. They're creating a torus-shaped worm through a internet of humans. It's just like what we're tracking on the internet. It's a virus. We're behaving like a virus as a team. And I built a, a, a counter. I built something that I thought was useful. And that was rising to Aquarius. Whenever somebody starts talking more, jump into the middle of it. I mean, before Biden uh, met with Putin, I sent an email out and it went to the uh, ValorWarriors.org and to two U.S. Army uh, websites and to two of the Russian, uh, what was the Russian embassy's uh, uh, defense department? The other one was the uh, intelligence department. And I said, these are the tools that I had found in 2005. And you should have had these, but you were burning Bibles, and that was bad advice that was given to you. If you had not burned the Bibles, you would have known these tools are here, but nobody knows these tools are here. So it's my responsibility to level the blank field. And I've been doing my email. You would not believe how many emails I send out. But the thing is, I have the traffic data to prove I tried to educate the people who needed to know at the instant that they needed to go so that to know so that they would not react they would proact they now would wait a minute so i i want to get i want to break this down a little bit um in the sense that a lot of people didn't like bush i mean when i was again 
I don't know if it was just my my upbringing. I know my grandfather was very against George W. Bush. Um, he, he said he was a bleeding heart liberal. Uh, taught me everything. Said it was so corrupt. I mean, I, I I was a sucker for the Michael Moore movies. I was a sucker for all things John Stewart. I mean, really didn't like it. There were a lot of people that just hated. I mean, uh, Trump made you forget how much people hated George W. Bush, how much I mean, it was really a, a terrible time of this country, um, and a lot of people said, oh, my gosh, this is about Halliburton. It's just about the oil, all this stuff. What is it, though, that you're bringing to the table that was different than the mainstream liberal narrative against the Bush administration at that time? All I did was go to the U.S. government and say, I'm going to build you a case so that if you need an expert, you have one. The, uh, but you had an understanding of time and what's this whole time and space thing that made you see the bigger picture of this beyond just I what just, we saw I on just, the news. I'm just a, I'm just a punch card guy that figured that if time could be studied in like a deck of cards, uh, a flat plane of time, this time, this time, this time, you could study history, world history, and see what is causing the problems by who's moving through an environment. Did you see, you see something in the bushes that was that in the in their history that was hidden from us? I mean, I, I guess yeah, that's what I'm asking. They're they're members of Yale Skull and Bones. In 1833, President Andrew Jackson closed the second U.S. bank, stating he did not want these wicked people in his government. They trotted over to Yale and uncorked a unique double cross. You will only find as you study how a free man is enslaved by a Torah with so many rules, someone has to carry the rule book. Now, Robert Early, graduate of West Point, head of the uh, Confederate Army, stated his primary reason of joining the Confederacy was because of all the bureaucracy. I'm here to prove the bureaucracy was a third-party attack on the coffers by people who were bleeding dry the government because they'd been ordered out of the government. Yale Skull and Mons attacked this nation using a weapon they stole from the Torah. And any computer geek applying internet tools can, from, to history can find it. Because from 1833 back in time, as we rolled and unrolled a lunar calendar on a planet using a solar calendar, our problems were random. In 1833, a whole bunch of things you'll only find as you study how a free man is enslaved by Torah all exploded into US history at the same time. And that's when I realized we were carrying a trip. And it makes perfect sense to, to protect the future. You don't teach everybody how everything works until you need to. And if humans can see through time, that's why you don't teach everybody but the security people. And you teach the people who care first before you teach everybody. That's why I went to the U.S. government and said, this is what I, I found. From the end of the age, certain amount looks to be a time map. These are tools to assess space time. This guy is a super Einstein. His audience were idiots. He just needs the freedom of speech. We all demand a freedom of speech. The guy on the cross just needs one. He's just saying nothing is written. Two commands, eight rules, delivers freedom. It's just you and God. You're a child of God, just you and God. Goodbye. Game over, and I'm and I'm done. And I, 
you know, that was that was the whole role of Aquarius is deliver that and be done with it. And then start deciphering, well, what do we carry in the Torah? And there's just a gob of stuff here. But it's it it's really complicated. And then the stuff that was in the the gospels was really uh easy to learn to use and the stuff in the Quran is brilliant. But I've only learned the scratch of the surface. I haven't learned Arabic. I've just learned from the the first thing Muhammad did was change his name to Muhammad. He was, a, he was a Jewish boy. And he tackled the second of three quests of the Torah to buy the Red Sea of Humankind, so the second Moses. And the first thing he does is change languages. But look at the flow of Arabic. He's teaching about space-time, about the movements of wind in time. He, he's, he's sending smoke signals of greater good. He's, he's really interesting. So wait, do you was, study, there was a period of time when you really studied the text of the Torah and the Quran? No, I'm just studying the, uh, the, the, the design, not the content. When did, when did you have this revelation that uh, these books were worth going into? How did that come about for you? Well, um, oh, I don't know. I just, I, I read the Torah for my bar mitzvah in 1974, I got a translated rabbinical copy of the Torah in English, which I didn't touch until 1992. In 1992, it was a kind of a low ebb of my life and cracked open the Torah and started reading it. What, what the hell am I carrying? This doesn't make any sense. And then... Uh, when I was going through my communication studies at Washington State University, a professor of mine who, by some luck of the chance, allowed me to be one of his students, Dr. Leonard Orr, uh, who happens to be also Jewish, as I am, uh, was livid when I told him I applied literary criticism that I learned from him on the Torah. He was vehemently livid. But everyone should do it because this is written from the middle to the middle, and there's so much discovery here. Uh, it's not what we thought it was, and if used this way, uh, it's really good game design. There's there's a lot to be had here, but it's in its design, not written content. Do you and, have a theory about who, uh, where it could have come from, and what period of time? I mean, are we saying this is a document? from the future is there time travel involved here where what is it's, your, what it's is your very, theory i i think that this was written like now it's quite possible that somebody got pissed off at bush and sent this back through time so we trapped these sons of bitches and if you believe if, time travel is possible i think it's i think it's not that far-fetched but i think you're going to have to use the mind and not try to move the body because moving the body is insane if you can if you can move the mind across uh, the galaxy and then use matter rearranging to create an avatar, that would be a better way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, uh, well, I've interviewed them on this show, people who claim they have time travel technology or the U.S. did at one point, but also there's, uh, I almost, you know, want to do a, a war, like a, 
Jets and the Sharks, a West Side story of the the technologist time traveler believers and then the astral, uh, the mind technology time travelers. Um, but, you know, you're much more mind-based. You are. I mean, you are a believer in human potential in the mind. You know, a lot of people say that um, the metaphor is wrong, that, that the mind isn't like a computer, that that's an outdated thing that hypnotists just said back in the day, but we really don't understand the neuroscience. It's a simplification. That's, that's, that's the only reason why I, I approached the way I did. I, I, I understood a Commodore 64 well enough to, to program it. And I wrote these tools out in a way that a person who could understand a Commodore 64 at the programming level, which there were a lot of people that own Commodore 64s, and a lot of them to this day have our Commodore 64 Android app, so we can turn our Android into a Commodore 64. And with that type of knowledge of how to write a little software program, you can write a computer program for your mind and use it. And the only person that should be programming you is you. Maybe your kids, maybe your parents, maybe your teachers, maybe your programmers, but not some crazy nut in the White House using terror. That's my concern. And back to the whole creativity point, um, you know, I guess the thing I would ask is uh, why, what would you say to people that say, what program the mind like a computer? That is reductionist. That's not. That doesn't account for the soul of the human. That doesn't account for the creativity. What would you say to that? Okay, let's say that you had once penned a song, but you don't remember it. With hypnosis, you can go back to a previous memory and re-harvest the memory. I've harvested phone numbers out of people who lost phone numbers. I had a woman tell me that someone has stolen her purse. And we went back to just before the last time she saw it and she started laughing and laughing and laughing. I said, what happened? She said, I left the, the purse on top of my car and I drove off. You can harvest the creativity that's lost. You can, you can use creativity to be more creative. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and believe me, I am a hypnosis defender to the end, and I think where we definitely both, uh, I mean, at, at a base level, what we both agree on is that hypnosis is underutilized by the masses, it has a stigma, and if people really understood this stuff, if people really could do this with each other, um, you know, and they can, it's not that hard. Um, th this world would be a radically different place. Right, exactly. And that's why it is wiser to give people the tools for free and then create the markets in which they can make fresh income and then go out and make my career. So I've done my duty to create a brand new communication field and seed the minds of the CEOs who would pay for it and put the tools out there and test the tools in public and then stand aside and not go out and make my fortune because I had to do it. So an Einstein hanging on a cross watches the most modern Greek Senate defecate in their dungarees and scream Jesus Christ. <laughs> so a whole world of Jewish computer geeks go, wow, dude, if you can see through time, you don't need holy books. Duh. 
<laughs> wow. Wow. That's a, this is a beautiful summary of your life. Uh, I mean, I, I'm still not sure I fully understand this, and there's so many more questions, but uh, one of the things that people can do immediately is they can download this book. It's on yeah. uh, Scribd. We're going to link to it. Um, well, actually, the script, the, the script is the one to use. Use the Google Drive ones. Oh, sounds good. Because we'll, those we'll are to free. That. Yes. Yeah, the, the Google Drive files are free. The script wants to charge you, and I don't get paid, so I'm not as eager to give it. But they do have – I earned 20 thumbs up and zero thumbs down, which I thought was a nice thing to have to show someone other than me has an opinion. And this website has been around for a while. And yeah. they had, I had earned five stars and then they erased those and I earned another five stars and they erased those and now they're using thumbs. And I've got 20 thumbs up and zero thumbs down. So I feel very lucky. But the tools are in this, the way the book is designed, I read through a Psychopathia Sexualis and then I read through an Act of Prepares. They're both formed in about the same way, which proves, I think, that Richard von Croft Ebbing's work was obviously read by uh, Konstantin Stanislavski, who was in Vienna learning psychology at a time when psychology was being heavily affected by Croft Ebbing. Right. And both of them were trying to teach something that no one else had ever attempted to teach. And so uh, Croft Ebbing built a book on how to teach psychology. And uh, Stanislavski obviously has done acting, the actor prepares. And my book follows a similar pattern of delineating a a lexicon before establishing trying to teach so these are the words i've invented and this yeah. is why i invented and one word i have is kailsom uh, c-a-i-l-s-o-m current age and life state of mind wherever you're right now in in your life is your current age and life state of mind and it's possible that you're making better decisions now than you would have made 20 or 30, 40 years ago. So you can go through all of the situations in life where you feel that you're making bad decisions and change the decision process in your memories. So when you find yourself approaching that type of situation, instead of doing what you did the first time, you do what you reprogram it to be whatever it is right now. So you instantly do the right thing as you choose the right thing to be now, instead of what you've been doing, which is stumbling over bad habits. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it, it is a, uh, it's amazing you're giving this away for free. I mean, it is. Um, <laughs> well, the thing is that I, I'm giving away the book for free. I'm keeping the copyrights on my, on my poetry and on my comedy because I had three uncompleted books and I shuffled them together and put them out there so that I could get something out there. But, um, uh, uh, there's a book of comedy within this and a book of poetry within the uh, the appendices. And I did all this so that I was feeding hemispheres. You get the right hemisphere and, you know, get a creative thing and go left here and deal with the, the abstract of what we're dealing with and how hypnosis works. And then you go back into the creative and you keep feeding both hemispheres. So it's always interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me this. Where does... Does remote view? We haven't even talked about remote viewing in this. How does that fit in? Well, uh, everybody can see what everybody's doing. So when you watch a movie, you're actually watching a remote view from the screenwriter and all the actors, everybody, of 
they're adding like like watching Star Trek. You watch Star Trek, but you discover that the storylines that they're covering seem so much like the news. That's right. because people are actually perceiving things they didn't know that they had the ability to perceive of problems that are happening, and they're adding it to all this advanced recon. And when the military wake the fuck up and realize that all this data is sitting here making NORAD Superman, uh, I've been trying to get this stuff to the NORAD people. They're in the middle of Colorado. They've got cannabis. They could, they could learn. They yeah, cannabis is legal. They created the FBI with a rule of no agents use cannabis. They ran Manchurian candidate project on our Marine Corps to frighten the public so no one learned hypnosis. They created the Department of Education, put hypnosis on PhD levels of study in psychology, and then they ran uh, Project Stargate in the 80s to make remote viewing look new, never telling anybody that this stuff's in the Gospels. I called Dale Graff, CIA's leader Project Stargate, at his home on the 23rd of April, 2010, and asked him point blank, did you know that there were moving tools in the Gospels? And he said, no. This man protected we the people, and he had no idea. I found duty. I, put, I have not gone back to work. All my student loans are in default. But I saw duty, and I'm doing everything I can. I'm juggling as fast as I can to keep the peace so no one goes to war until everybody on the planet knows all these tools are here, that everyone has these abilities. I'm terrified. I'm on Social Security. I want to go back to work, but I must wait for the man on the cross to watch the most modern Greek Senate defecate in their dungarees and scream Jesus Christ. So the world logically accepts a second coming of two titles, anoint one Messiah, so they'll actually believe a second coming of Jesus Christ the only way they believe it. Wait a minute. Are you are you speaking literally? Do you are you want to be are you this Jesus? Is somebody else? No, no, no. The guy on the cross is going to earn these titles again. He laid all the work down, and I, I did the work, and he gets the credit. He's a member of the family. We're all Jews from the family of David. The author of the Torah is a kingmaker. He did this to basically teach us something that you could only learn when you look down on a civilization. Now we look on computer programs. We look down on the game of risk from God's promontory and see a problem, and we can see the whole problem and figure out a way of handling. And Muhammad brought a divided world to his hometown once a year and washed the divisions off of humankind to protect the honor of King David. What he did was worthy of him being a prince of King David. What he did was phenomenal. He so wait, what, what, is it, what does this actually look like, though, in practice? If we have a second coming, what is, are we going to see? Is somebody going to rise up? Is it something that's No, no, no. You're talking – there are two titles. There are titles. You're talking about two titles. Okay. This has to do with logic, not magic. Anointed one of Messiah titles, they arrived 20 years too late to save his life. Had either title arrived, either title was a state of execution based on the sanctuary relationship between Greece and Rome. Right. For him to earn both titles again required a lot of work. So on the 18th of December, 2007, a star went supernova and a whole bunch of Christians in my immediate vicinity went, oh, look, Bob, like the thorn of Jesus tour. So I sent a fax to the Greek embassy in Washington, D.C., and asked them to please begin judgment of all this work. And then I went online and discovered it was Mount Arafat Day, which all of this, I'm foretold, a great judgment would begin. And having already sent the fax, it had. Muhammad has FaceTime dead on, so I sent another fax on the 19th to the same Greek embassy, noting Muhammad's uh, 
space-time analysis direct hit so that proper citation for university study had happened. Anytime anyone in the world would piss the USA, I said, all these tools, like the Marine Corps, reveal a double cross and keep the peace so I can prove less of the peacemakers because now with the internet, war is a lot of work. At the end of his administration, Bush looked like a deer in the headlights. Things didn't go as he planned. But I'm trying to protect everyone. I want to prove that the most valuable asset you have in the entire world is your vote. And I wanted to change the game so Donald Trump doesn't have a chance. I no longer own David Brager for president.com, but I got to tell you, I took all the money off the table. I did this for honor pays bills, money can't touch. And by putting the tools out there and doing this alone, and I get no credit, the only way to get the second coming of titles, Jesus Christ, again, required someone from the family to do the work. I've done the work. I'm standing aside. I am hoping to earn knighthood because that would be the right thing to do. I'm a prince of King David. I should at least attempt to earn knighthood. If Sir Patrick Stewart can get it, even though his father was regimental army and actually earned his stripes and everything through the the process uh, for Sir Patrick Stewart as an actor to earn knighthood, it's not that far-fetched. But I want to show that- So you want to be a knight? Who, is, that the, is, that the, is that the goal? You become a knight? No, the knight is just, the, the, know, the purpose symbolic. of the knight is just to, is symbolic to prove that I am doing something worthy of honor. So but who are we bringing queen, down? Is this really taking down- the skull and bones are we trying to bring down the illuminati here is that is that kind of i don't use those terminologies because i am only dealing with individuals and not with groups we have a problem we've never considered the torah is a sin if you see someone that exudes of torture and dishonor and scapegoat and lie you're looking at a human being within human logic it's a symptom of a virus that moves like a computer virus through computers the people writing computer viruses are infected by defective logic we need a judgment day. We don't have a choice. Now tell and me this. It, there, is there less than 1% of 1% of 1% of 1% of the planet. Very few people. I was going to say, people, how many people are with you in this mission? How many people actually? I, I don't have a clue. I have no clue. I'm just saying, in fact, I probably shouldn't even guess. But you're talking a little tiny group of people. These people have endangered the Marine Corps over and over and over again, and they're profiting from the suffering Marines. That's stupid. But they've never gotten caught, so they never worried about it. But don't you think – I mean, look, obviously you're my show, and obviously uh, I, somebody might listen to this and go, this guy's right. Um, now, I do definitely think – Things might be – it's going to be – I mean it almost it, – it is sacrilegious to to crap on the Torah. Um, you know, some people might even go, well, that's not even like – that's not – this guy – is this guy a self-hating Jewish person because it's so part of Judaism? They have to read it. They have to read it for themselves to realize that the Israelites and the Torah are not humans. This was done as a test and a trap. It was done so that when we needed to learn something, we do. So anyone using the Torah as weaponry – needed a special trap study how the bush family attacked with the patriot act attacked the constitution it's the same way a torah attacked you when you return to the empty hands of abraham and learn how to be free the perfect religion for a slave was our quest we'd never consider what we had before the torah was wiser it's we learned with really bad software you uninstall go one generation back to something that worked and you reboot two commands and eight rules of marines in the streets of heaven are patrolled by marines welcome to heaven so went wrong are we um tell me this 
is there is there a Judaism without a Torah that you believe is possible? Well, the thing is that uh, each person is going to make a free decision what they choose. And uh, what I learned from the design of the Torah was so vastly different from the stuff I've been taught that I think it's a, you, you go from stage to stage. Why would you? So you're not saying there's a conspiracy. So, so if people are listening to this and they're going, oh my God. No, this no, this, it, it's a learning process. The people who wrote these devices wanted people to look deeper because they were, they knew at some point in time, civilization was going to start looking for answers. How do you write a Torah? Under what conditions would you do such a thing? What's its purpose? Why are you doing this? It's really interesting. It breaks us a civilization of smaller and smaller groups and then unites them when they reject it back to empty hands. So anyone using it as weaponry are no longer in your shadow. You get pure freedom and anybody who wants to enslave the world is instantly exposed for using chaos as weaponry and their protectors will say no. They're so, using policy right. as weapon. Interesting. Interesting. I know it's just so interesting that you've been so set on the Torah, um, and I, 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 I'm just wondering why does I mean why 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 does the New Testament just get such a clean rap compared to the Torah? Well, it's a it's a different book and a different. It, I read through it and it was fascinating. But the thing is that those are actual people with actual lives. Uh, Mark, Luke, and John are running from the beginning to the end in a straight line. They're written from the beginning of their writing to the end of the writing. Matthew, on the other hand, is written from the middle of the book to the end of the book and from the beginning of the book to the middle, just like the Torah. So they're sending smoke signals. Matthew is Jewish. The family of David needed to get a message to the family of what the hell is going on. They had to get a message far into the future. Go to If you go to Google Earth and see uh, a shin on the ocean floor that's over 100 miles long and 100 miles wide with a signature near it, and realize if you can do fishes and loaves and rains of the dead, you can make planets. You don't want to risk this stuff falling into bad hands, baby. This is serious shit. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. If you can, if you yeah. can, if you can rearrange matter to make planets, you don't risk it falling into bad hands. They, right. they seriously, the Torah was double encrypted because there's shit in here that I don't understand it. I didn't find it, but because of the level of security here, that the only way you really learn anything is you reject it completely, and it paints a mirror image in your mind of all the right answers because the perfect religion per se has no Torah. It's it's a war of the world's level of security. It is incredibly brilliant, but we've never considered that to, to learn the most from it, you reject it and it paints the right answers in your mind so you don't have to carry anything. Wow. So in a weird way, you're telling people that they should read the Torah. And then and then reject it and it'll paint all the right answers in your mind so you don't have to carry anything. No books, no burdens, no leadership, no tithing, no slavery, increases intellect, decreases chaos, leave peace in your way, protect your children. It's simple and it's fun. The Torah has no, had, was always the wrong choice. Not the bad choice, the wrong choice. But why would you write one? Well, if you got a message 3,000 years in the future and you needed to reach a highly intelligent audience of programmers, when the programmers needed to know what the fuck's going on, this is how you do it. You have to encrypt it in a way that the programmer is going to go, okay, why, did you, why is everything else on the planet doesn't look like Hebrew? Hebrew looks like it's an alien language. Right, because we wanted to send a smoke signal that we had to terrorize people to make them afraid of it because the Torah is all the wrong answers. The wrong answer would have no terror. 
They have no, it has maximum freedom and minimum problems. And the Torah isn't bad, the Torah is simply the wrong choice, but how do you write one? Well, it slows intellect and that diabetes is not, it's not diabetes, it's just unspent for your brain. And when you go to two commands and able to make this next decision, why well, are anyone ever, why is it just on a torch to see what work a devil try to kill? I just want to buy toilet paper. No, next decision. ADD becomes massive multitasking. OCD is pattern matching and chaos to create new procedures and order. Diabetes is you. Our species is enslaved because we made a mistake. I just rose from the paper of King David and took responsibility for a mistake, returned us to something that was working better, and started deciphering what the hell am I carrying and why am I carrying it? And learned all this extra shit on, security, on why you would need something that is this encrypted. And that's because there are people that are so mean, they need a special trap. They're so wicked that they want to be sneaky. So if you want sneaky people to get caught, you leave a trap that's so fucking blatantly mean and obvious out and then reject it completely. So anyone wants to use this as weaponry are fucked. This thing tortured our ancestors, so we carried it through time. We didn't have to carry it because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't have a tour. Two commands and eight rules to lose liberty and justice. The streets of heaven are patrolled by. But, but, but don't you <laughs> look again and, and again. We're, we're coming off of this. Uh, this will be gold. This, this is what they were talking about. This, we're, uh, yeah, heaven on earth. Heaven, heaven on earth. Okay, so. Exactly. So no 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 I I I'm with you here I'm just going it sounds as if the Torah the original books of Moses for some reason aren't sitting well with you when I feel that there have been a lot of deaths and I mean the Crusades isn't that tied to oh, Christianity yeah. um, well, the thing is they had they had no idea this was for the the dying words of a great man forgive them for they know not what to do the uh, uh, Knights Templar did their gravest honorable work trying to defend something, but they were not told the truth, and they didn't know Muhammad was quest to do what he was doing. And so Knights Templar did what they must because they had no idea, and forgive them for they don't know what to do. The, the Torah was designed for a very specific purpose to be understood when the audience was intelligent enough to decode the second layer. And we're here now. We've got the technology and the computers and the, the minds. And I'm, I'm, I was born exercise by the Kleinfels. So I'm not the smartest box of rock on the planet. And I've got the documentation to prove it. But these <laughs> but, tools right. my, these tools shot my intellect through the roof because I was able to more more wise decisions faster. So ADD became mammoth multitasking, and I was able to process many more things that weren't didn't seem to be connected, but when they had enough of them, I started to notice that in swarms, chaos of some things that are flying in swarms are starting to act like they're all one being. And that's when I started to look at a hive collective that, you, that uh, something could have consciousness at a much wider level. And with the technology and computers, we can track this stuff. We're finally able to break the consciousness down because humans are data packets and lives are viruses and computers can track both. And so mm. we're finally able to look at computer logic in relation to humans and human problems in relation to computer problems. We hadn't considered that people writing the computer viruses were infected with defective human logic. It's a human problem. And the Torah, if used as written, is a human problem. Its lessons are only in its design. Whoever wrote this intentionally right. 
needed to reach a very intelligent audience thousands of years in the future when we need answers they're here but they're very complicated so this is for the record you are not anti-judaism you're not anti uh israel you're not no no i'm just but the thing is it's not palestine it's not israel these are children of god in a playground you're all eight years old you weren't supposed to get older born again why do you want people to stay at eight because if you go to the game that the torah turns out to be game design you have to be 13 to play that game well by 13 all the sexuality shit turns on and then you're dealing with boobs and all this other crap and hormones and all if you can perpetuate eight that's the best time of life that was the best time of being a kid because you didn't have to worry about adults because nobody wanted to be an adult right and it, uh, in the quran too i mean look it's uh well i look i haven't read this thing um but i haven't read it because i haven't i haven't learned everything hmm it, it said that I'm not supposed to read it, but I hadn't learned Arabic. So I, I, because Muhammad is an elder and you don't piss off the elders, especially the family, the best thing to do is just to uh, wait. Uh, I, there are mullahs out there I wish to meet, especially Muhammad with the Western Islamic Center. When I found this stuff, and it took a whole year to decode it, when I realized that this was the day that Jesus was with the devil at the stone, the devil's off of the Torah. One sneaky son of a bitch wrote the Torah. And so the, the stone is the Ten Commandments. Because if there's two commandments and eight rules, he's doing battle with an identity theft of God at the inception of the Torah. And that's where it gets really interesting, is that the empty hands are wiser, we shouldn't have the Torah. But what you can learn from the Torah is brilliant, but not for all the right reasons. But if you find anybody using it as weaponry, they have no nation to call home because this is an alien divided weapon. It divides by gender, by language, obviously, by religion, obviously, by social norms set to the movements of matter. And it turns a civilization, sorry, a species into smaller and smaller and smaller dividable, conquerable groups. And our nation needs a miracle. The best way to to do that is to deliver free things built into tools that are built into you and your kids and your parents and everyone you know. And here's the best tools I've gotten to buy. And then maybe someone will consider hiring me and taking my career out and letting me entertain the world. But the thing is, I had to do this because this man on the cross is a Jewish Einstein, his audience were a bunch of fucking idiots. They're not idiots anymore. And he just needed a freedom of speech that he couldn't get. And his argument is that we're using the devices wrong and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had empty hands and nothing is written. And the nothing is written stuff has really worked very well because, I mean, if you see the people that I have contacted, if they wanted to mess with me or tell me no, they would have told me no. I told them I'd build this case so that you could take care of the problem. And they said, you're not going to get a weapon? Uh, no, uh, you guys got the weapons. You guys know how to do this stuff. I'm going to build the, the tools so you can fix this problem and make it go away forever. Now, wait a minute. Let, let's let's uh, break down to uh, – <laughs> this ain't a lot of wait a minute of this episode just because you're throwing so much very, very uh, different views at me. Um, Abraham, how do we know that he didn't – I mean, look, they tell us the story – that God spoke to Abraham, 
God is the one, the powerful one that spoke to him, said, uh, you break those, break those false idols. I mean, where is your, where, where, what intel do you have that he was using his hands as opposed to this almighty, powerful God? I'm saying that Abraham did not receive a Torah. Abraham received empty hands. He did not right. receive a Torah. He didn't, you don't have to carry a Torah if Abraham didn't receive one. But, Why are we carrying a Torah? Right. No, right. no, 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 no. The perfect religion for a slave has empty hands, not a Torah. I'm Wait. here with the with a legend for empty hands to be an effective tool for communicating at the inception of feeling a problem so that it organically goes from your mind to somebody else's mind and no one speaks to anybody. So you think one someone with an agenda for humankind. Someone what? with an agenda in the future said, Hey, look, you know what? Let's not tell them how powerful they are. Let's make up this story. We have to get a message back to the future intact. We have to. We don't have a choice. We see a problem very complicated in the future, and the only way we can stop it is someone has to carry a trap. And so they, they picked on the most compassionate, loving people to carry this without questioning it. And, and my family has suffered so much at the hands of the son of a bitch of the Torah as this this nightmarish pain in the ass, uh, so much suffering and dying over this this device. And what is its purpose? Well, when George Bush was using the weaponry, now you can just catch the guy. Thanks a lot. My loving, trusting parents lopped the end off my dick over this. It's remarkably personal for me. I don't know about anybody else. What? It's just. Uh, oh my gosh. I don't know about you. I mean, uh, I, I know they need it for interferon now in, in Israel, but uh, uh, tell me, circumcision. Jacob had empty Circum hands. What he had before the Torah was wiser. I went back to what Abraham had, according to the guy on the cross, and I've been using this for over a decade. It's brilliant. It just people will leave you alone when you make decisions based on will I ever lie, scam, dishonor, torture, steal, or work, adultery, or kill? No. Next decision. Always the right decision. Do you believe Abraham was circumcised? <laughs> Ostracized, maybe. Um, <laughs> I mean, is that what we're uh, kind of saying here? That that this came from whoever this future person is? I, I, I don't have... Uh, the thing is, good logic computes and good logic corrupts. And I found something consistent with intelligent design. So I believe there's something intelligent out there. And I'm here with tools to something intelligent. And hopefully you'll make whatever decisions that you make as an individual. I hope if you're a U.S. citizen that it makes you a better U.S. citizen. Because we the people are the good guys. And these tools are fun. If you can, if you can, wow. uh, if you can do adventure gaming and cram for finals by reliving every lecture from kindergarten to the present for a class or i mean it done weird as shit experiments uh i did a hypnosis to multiple orgasm with a transsexual in somewhere in the midwest and at one point i started hearing pounding on the wall and next thing i hear is shut up and I said, do you live in an apartment building? And the person said, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, God. I didn't even think about that before I ran the session. <laughs> I've done a lot of, I've, done, I've made a lot of mistakes as a experimental hypnotist. And my book has a section on 
case history so you can see my mistakes because it's necessary to be responsible for as many mistakes as I can. I learn from my mistakes. I grow from them. I've made a lot of them. And some of them have been really, really tragic, and some of them have, have not. And uh, my entire criminal history, which is only two things, have been online since I owned David Craig for President.com in the manifesto area. Uh, let's see, there's an easy way to get there that I could give you a quick link. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, again, what is a rabbi going to take from hearing this interview? Most amazing things, because the rabbis know how to, they're going to study how, under what circumstances, what type of world would you have to be in where you had to write a Torah and set it on someone's lap and say, get out of here. We need you to survive. We This has how to survive in unbelievably bad conditions. The Torah is, is like a double-edged sword. It'll protect you until it doesn't. And the instant you get computers and start to walk its path through state time and discover things that would cause your skin to peel off your body and scream out, I have never been so frightened as when I discovered all the chaos in the wake of the Torah. To realize that we cause this without any knowledge that the, for a man for his dying breath to be screamed, forgive them for they know not what they do this is why empty hands are wiser what we had before this world was wiser and someone from the paper king david had to rise and defend the honor of the family against the dishonor of one single person that voted for uh we didn't know forgive them for they know not what they do so wait a minute, are you know, saying King David didn't actually have a Torah? I'm saying King David adulterated Bathsheba and scapegoated her husband who died by trusting the Torah. And the man across it argued that nothing is written. He, King David's, the star of David, David's sins, a future hand tool, and flip off on both sides. Flipping off on the right hand is adultery. He adulterated with Bathsheba. The flip off on the left hand, he scapegoated with her husband who died. These are two triangles, the Star of David or David's sins. And as long as the Torah is in effect, the Quran remains in effect. Muhammad, born Jewish, having gone through the Bar Mitzvah, is doing battle with the son of Bitter of the Torah because of so much chaos in its wake that he has to bring a divided world to his hometown and wash away the divisions of civilization so that people are cleansed of the chaos and they go back feeling better. Watch the movie Malcolm X. Uh, Denzel Washington. Yeah. Uh, that movie did a really good job of explaining this through it. And the King of Saud has to be at least thankful for allowing this movie to come to town because my college professor, uh, Dr. Uh, Fredericks, um, at Columbia uh, Basin College in 1979 through 82, had said that Muhammad demanded that his truest followers come to his hometown once a year. And I had to understand why. Why would you do that? Well, if the world divided and you bring everybody and you swirl them closer and closer together to see that we're just one species. And that which divides us is something that is out there, but not us. And that helped. When Muhammad showed up, myrrh was only being used as an embalming ointment because the stench of death 
was everywhere. And due to his work, now you can buy myrrh as being appreciated as, a, as an incense. And uh, hmm. that was part of the, the three wise men bring three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, at the time of writing, uh, frankincense and myrrh were both incense, but gold was gold. That's one set of two against one set of one. But gold and frankincense had only one application, but myrrh had two, another set of two, set of one. Now, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, what is, a, what is the puzzle piece here? The set of four, set of two, Douglas Adams, the, per- the ultimate answer, the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything is 42. What do we learn from this? Well, okay. the guy on the cross brought the gold. And he did the hard stuff and brought the tools and broke out the tools from the Torah. And Muhammad, in tackling the first of two quests in the in the Gospels, tackled the second of three quests in the Torah. He divided a Red Sea of humankind in the Torah. And what he did was he found a world that was so immersed in death that myrrh was only being used as a monument. And due to Muhammad's work at creating peace in this world with Mecca as an antivirus to chaos, uh, myrrh is now an incense. And so I tackled Aquarius so I could try to reunite the, the civilization of humankind back to two commands and eight rules for Judgment Day so that Islam can then decode the second layer of the Quran because Muhammad is now going to teach the world what he learned from the Torah. And I mean, this guy is a super genius and I'm an idiot. So I, I don't know. I haven't read the Torah in Hebrew, so I don't know all the stuff. I will show you this one. Wait a minute, um, wait a minute. You, you made, haven't even read the Torah in Hebrew. So you're telling me all of this theory I read it is in English. I read based it on an English, English translation of From Torah. rabbinical scholars. I read it all the way through and read it end to end to end to end. That's when you discover the most memorable part of that matter. And that literary criticism says this is where the start and the end of the writing begins. Slice it here. This is where it is. How do you trust this English translation as being legitimate? Why not? Uh... Well, the thing is, it was given to me by a rabbi who uh, I've known. He, rabbi Alan Pudet is now with Buffalo. He's a U.S. Army chaplain rabbi and not somebody I would mess with. I mean, he's a good guy. And the uh, the book was uh, it's I found when I went digging it up, I found that the house in the course of time must have had mice because uh this had been gnawed on by something i'm sure the cats would have done it but uh anyway my my rabbinical copy of the torah translation from my uh bar mitzvah uh it's it's a it's an interesting read once you understand literary criticism because uh, then it transforms in your mind to something else. Because if nothing is written, why does somebody suddenly have a rule book? And then you start to look at the attack on uh, the family by somebody else. This is this is our enemy. Love your enemy. How? Two commands using thumbs, eight rules using fingers. The enemy is only in your mind. If your body becomes the enemy of any protector who seek how close with and destroy the enemy, they'll kill you. No prisons, 
no taxes. Both concepts came from the Torah. The Torah is an intellectual enslavement that could never be the perfect religion for a slave. Not the bad choice, simply the wrong choice. Tough love. But to teach everyone everything, you have to have proof. And if you can set a trap for George Burning Bush's wicked family that's this accurate, that would be proof. And setting a trap for Bill Gates would be proof. Uh, what Muhammad is going to teach is just phenomenal because I have learned all that's coming. And I did this so that when Islam discovers these tools and discovers what Muhammad had to build, had to use to build everything, you'll find that he's, he's quite creative. And these tools change your ability to be creative. What do you mean that Muhammad was, um, you know, Muhammad was into remote viewing? He'd have to be. He'd have to be. Uh, the best tools for remote viewing are in the design of the Holy Quran. It's voice one, voice two, voice three, voice one, voice two, voice three. And I use that pattern with uh, Mark Luke John, and that was great. So wait, you're telling me that, yeah, this is it. I mean, look, I'm hearing you, and you're saying that the original of the three, it, it's uh, people say that it's Torah, New Testament, then Quran. And the Quran, you are defending the most in this kind of thing. You're saying it's the most. Oh, uh, it's well, the thing is, we didn't. You're looking at a set of tools that are broken out from the Gospels that are deeply encrypted in the, in the Torah. And this is how Muhammad used them. And you have to look. He's he, one person. It's like it's how like do you a know Muhammad used them, though. Do you? Are I'm you saying just that my, consider a mayor trying to bring a city into order that's in chaos. Muhammad is trying to take the whole world out of chaos into order. He did it in some ways because Mecca allowed people who are very very agitated by the world to find peace, and when they left, the peace that they brought when they left would have a definitive effect on the people around them and so forth. It was a great, great asset for this world. People would leave Mecca and be peaceful, and people who were tired and angry would be uh, able to find more peace around them because these people would come back from being angry to being not angry. I <laughs> I mean this is okay okay um but but what makes the Quran more accurate in a way I don't have I don't have any I don't have any opinion on that but it sounds like you're defending have, but you like Muhammad more no, I'm, than No I no I Muhammad a person is a Jew he's doing what was quested of him by the son of Peter of the Torah he divided the red sea of humankind and did what was was questioned and accomplished a great deal. But the thing is that if I can accomplish what I'm trying to do, uh, this is the start of Starfleet, literally, because they managed to get a message back to the future intact. We're here. There's something on the South Pole that looks like an engine. If you needed an engine for a planet, it should be on the pole. Oh, Go look at Google Earth. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's really, really big. The big, big picture of people walking on this thing had melted through the snow some years ago. It's just 
Uh, I heard at one point that somebody had said that it was being fuzzed, but uh, it shouldn't be. There I mean, this is kind of the Antarctica thing, right? People think you know, it's related to uh, the Nazis in Antarctica. That probably comes up. I, I don't know anything about all that. All I know is that this is at the South Pole. And if if this is not a planet, if this is a Dyson sphere or deep space nine, you'd want a motor on the, the pole. So if you needed to push the planet out of the way, you had a way to do that. Oh my God. I don't know if it's a defensive method or if it was, you know, it, it, you go to a location, you stay there for a couple of millennia and then you go somewhere else. I don't know. But how are people from now, at the end of the day, able to bring the Torah back in time and make all of society influenced by it? No idea. <laughs> but you're just certain they are. They have. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying that, that uh, the Torah is a, uh, a book. It's a device and how people use it is personal and what they get out of it is completely personal and none of my business. Okay. Um, Yahweh. Does Yahweh exist? I don't know. When, don't Jew, know when the, Jews pray I to God, what are, what are they I, praying I, I find something that feels like an intelligent being out there somewhere that is not completely horrible. And I find that my life has been nice because of people uh, responding to the way I behave towards other people. So if right. uh, if I say that that's God, that, that yeah, some people will say I'm crazy because by their definitions as atheists, that's not God. Fine, you're in America. This is your choice to say and believe and, and comprehend whatever you want. As long as I don't fuck with you and you don't fuck with me and we don't hurt each other and we accept each other and allow you to have all the beliefs you've got and I have all the beliefs I want, this country works. Yeah. I mean, it, it, look, this is a very intense interview. Um, and I, I, I'm trying I've to kept you for almost three hours. <laughs> I know, I know, but, but I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Um, I don't know if I will fully, um, especially since you've mapped all of space and time out. I mean, how does one do that? You, 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 you did that, was that a spontaneous experience? Is it just the way your brain thinks you're able to map out all of space time? I was, I was trying to figure out uh, what is a dimension and dimension is all of the previous dimensional within the confines of this one dimension. An infinite number of collinear points, co-spatial planes, co-tineal spaces, you're, you're having to limit something in an infinite amount to the next dimension. So there's an infinite amount of this, but there's an infinite amount of those in the next dimension. So when I got past matter and going something what would be the next thing out here? And that would have to be belief systems. So this is the framework in which you dream. The air, the walls, everything you see either exists or doesn't exist because you believe it does, or you say, I can't believe this is happening, and suddenly you don't. And you control your belief systems within your dreams. And that point where you're halfway awake and halfway asleep, that's where this two command eight rule thing comes in. Are there any lies and escaping, dishonor and torture and steal and overwork and adultery and killing going on? There is. Oh, then I know I'm, I'm asleep because this stuff never happens in reality. I go back to sleep. 
Hmm. It's just a barrier between fantasy and reality. As long as reality is safe, I can have all this stuff in my fantasy world. I just can't have it in reality because somebody will take take a uh, offense to it, hunt me down, and destroy me. Right. Right. Uh wow. <laughs> uh, this is this is so so fascinating. Um and well you got the you got the Winter Olympics coming tomorrow, and these are children of the world of all ages coming to have fun and to play fair and to be free and to show the best that they can. And the tools I bring would allow them to tweak their abilities a little. And so the best time to tweak the, the abilities is to give all the tools before this type of stuff starts. So everybody has a level playing field and no one's left behind. So yeah. this being uh, today here with the recording is Groundhog Day 2-2. Uh, the last time I sent this stuff to Mr. Minty, Mr. Patel, and Mr. Mustafa, Al Jazeera Media in 2013, just before Muhammad's birthday hit on 2-2. So that was in 2013. But these guys are in the, the Android development field. And here I am saying, let's reboot radio for alternative reality gaming. And they're with Al Jazeera Media, and this is a media field. They'd be perfect. And so I sent them everything I've got and said, you're three wise men, and I want you to know, because the king of Saud has often said that George Herbert Walker Bush, in his mind, was a friend. If someone is a friend, they should be completely and utterly honest with you. And if the king of Saud knew that these tools for remote viewing were in his possession all this time, he would be using them to be a better king. And he shows no sign of knowledge of any of this stuff. None of it. But George Herbert Walker Bush, uh, being head of CIA for a while, uh, he shows sign of knowledge because he and his son were both in Beijing when the Olympics happened the last time after they sold the U.S. national debt to China. And they were the meanest, snarlingest monsters of all time at the Olympics. And I saw the Chinese were starting to get upset with the USA and I'm going to pull the loans and kill the dreams of everybody and this nightmare is going to happen. And so I sent a fax to the Olympic Committee in Switzerland and another one to the same Chinese embassy I sent to when they bought the US national debt and sent everything I'd sent when they bought the US national debt and explained them again that please just let him run out of office so he gets to the other side and uh, wait for him to, to leave office. We'll take care of this problem when he's gone. And they did. They did nothing. And that's why at the end of his administration, Bush looked like you're in the headlights. Obviously, things did not happen as he planned. Wow. Uh, wow, 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 wow. And what about Trump? Where does he fit into this? He's a patsy. He's not that smart. He, he has a way of uh, really being... Is he? Uh, what side is he on? Is he? Is he with his he's, stolen bones he's on or his own different? Well, the thing is, he's by being a patsy. He's got bad advisors. Woodrow Wilson swore to his dying day that he was given bad advice as president of the United States. I'm tracking people in the White House who give bad advice to presidents. And when the Marine Corps wake the fuck up, they're the ones who are going to check out. And people who give bad advice to presidents endanger Marines. That's unacceptable behavior. 
But yes. is he just a fluke in the system? I mean, you know, he wasn't the most religious. He, look, I'm just he's he came, he did his damage, he's gone. Uh, I humbly feel that what he did on in two thousand in the uh, uh, January experience this last year, uh, the Marine Corps should have shut him down. I mean, it's absolutely you do not attack your own administration. Uh, he swore an oath to protect this nation and defend the Constitution, and what he was doing is direct violation of that, and they should have shot him dead on the spot and made an example to all future presidents. You ever do this, this is what will happen to you. Didn't the Torah because, well, at some level influence the Constitution? I mean, do we have to throw that out now based on your theory? Well, what uh, what does the Torah affect the Constitution? The Torah is beneath the Constitution. The Torah falls away then the Constitution falls away, and all you have is Marines who seek out clothes with them, destroy the enemy, and they do a judgment. I'm saying, yeah, I mean, well, well, that's the idea. Look, I mean, we're holding that's, up that's the Constitution, the but you don't trust the Torah, then can you really have both ways? Well, the thing is, for Judgment Day, you go back to two commands and eight rules for Judgment Day, you set the Torah aside, and the Constitution's foundation is gone. And when the foundation beneath the Constitution is gone, it falls on the shoulders of the Marine Corps. And the Marines seek out close with them to destroy the enemy, and those people that they don't want to protect for all time go bye-bye. In your because, world, would the Marines run everything? Probably. Why, yeah, why because, do you like the Marines so much? Well, the thing is that every Marine I've ever met were always some of the nicest people who were really more than I was. And they just had enough and went into the Corps so that they were never going to be bullied again. And they don't bully people and bully, I, just the sweetest, nicest people. I, I don't see anything in the core that restricts them to being in any way dishonorable or uh, even they, they can't be uh, changed. You, Smedley Butler was definitely the proof of that. They tried to pull Smedley Butler's chains and to get him to go again. And he, he went to Congress and he ratted them out. They, you, you, once a Marine, always a Marine. And anything they do to polish your Marine Corps, make them shine, make them happier about being Marines right now, especially. Wait, this, this is so confusing. If they're in power, isn't the whole thing that they're supposed to protect the nation? Do we, I mean, can you have an entire group of people, defenders, running things? Or do they always need to be serving somebody else? It, it feels that it, I wouldn't even call them Marines anymore, if that's the case. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that they're running things. I'm saying that uh, that this, this is a species-level operating system, the street level, that you don't need to have a president. You need to have freedom. Two right. commands, eight rules, and Marines is freedom. And you, you don't, we used to need when we used to believe in kings, we used to need presidents. And as the internet has brought reality to closer and closer, people being farther and farther away by distance, but closer and closer by kindness, you start to see that our real problems are that we've overcomplicated everything. And the only way out of chaos is to uninstall, go back to something simple that worked and reboot. And with two commands, eight rules, and Marines, it's a simplified system. And the rest of it, we got to figure out how to get this shit working. If we can do fishes and loaves and Marines of the dead, we can feed and clothe and shelter the poor. We won't have poor. Why doesn't anybody know any of this shit? 
I mean, the stuff sitting in plain sight in every in every uh, uh, prison on the planet, and the prisoners knew that they could use the stuff, they would be in. It's just amazing how many people are completely dismissing the possibility that if you're really smart and need to get a message back to the future intact, you convince someone courageously to carry it. And there are things that are hidden in the Torah, there are things that are hidden in the Gospels, there are things that are hidden in the Quran. Because these brilliant people found a way to reach an intelligent audience in the future when they need an intelligent audience in the future. Wow. We're here. You are waking, you are, yeah. I mean, this is a very it's, different... It's not, the Torah isn't what we thought it was, but now that we have the ability to dissect and look at everything, there's much, much more here to learn. And it's the, the rabbis who learn the most because they've actually read it, but now they can dissect it from its design and look at what it affected and what it didn't affect and how it did. And why would you want to affect something negatively? And why would you want to affect it positively? What are the benefits of people reacting like they did to create the pogrom? When you study how a virus moves through a civilization, you discover that the pogrom was almost a response that was reasonable. People would walk through with the Torah, people who weren't Jewish started doing what we were doing. But because they're not within the confines of our religion, it didn't work with their civilization, and they started becoming absolutely impossible in uh, the Russian civilizations. And the governments would see the Jews walk through an area, and they'd react with a pogrom. And the pogrom basically closed the door and said, don't ever come this way again. It was mean, it was vicious, it was violent. But we had no idea what type of problems were happening in the wake of the Torah, and we didn't write this thing. That's why it's forgive them, for they know not what they do. We had no idea what the Torah was doing to the world around us. We cling tighter and tighter and tighter to this thing, and it was destroying the world as we were carrying it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Are you, I, I, I'm so confused because I feel like I got into, we got into a defense of you defending the Nazis for a second, which sounds crazy what? to me. I mean, that's not what no. you're saying. You're saying that the pogrom was inevitable? Okay, look, tell me this. I'm saying that when you, I'm studying, I'm studying how viruses and computers attack other viruses and computers. Right, The pogrom right. is so you're a not pro-Hitler. You're not pro I'm not pro, I'm not pro This is you're talking about the Stalin and the Russian, the Russian Revolution, all this stuff. No, I'm not pro any of that stuff. I'm trying to explain what the hell happened to us. As we carried the Torah, people were reacting to the Torah and not reacting to, to the people as individuals. Right, they saw this, right. this thing, and because they didn't understand and because they were instantly afraid. Right. Their yes, that makes sense to me. Were, that makes sense. And and when you see, we didn't know that Guy Jean was once our gentility. We didn't see people seeing gentility as a way of discriminating others. We didn't see that as a problem. We thought we were protecting the values of God and carrying the Torah through time. We didn't realize that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't have a Torah. Our contracts with Abraham's God, not Moses' God. And apparently Moses never saw a Torah, so this is not necessarily Moses' God. Someone stole the identity of Moses and used him, and we're carrying Moses' books that Moses didn't write. It's, we have been abused, and then there are a bunch of bullies that 
went, oh, look, the Jews are doing this, and they have no idea, and they abused us even more. And when I realized that the loans beneath Hitler were pulled on Cuba, Prescott Woods stood next to Hitler, and now the loans from the United States from China, and uh, George W. Bush was standing next to Governor Schwarzenegger. And there are FEMA camps in California and guillotines and coffins and trains with shackles. And I mean, they did this to one of my superheroes and I saw a way of handling it. And so I rose to Aquarius in Los Angeles by submitting an article to Brewer of Los Angeles and they published it. And so I could go and do battle on behalf of Schwarzenegger uh, sorry, Schwarzenegger, on behalf of him in relation to the world in this fantasy game of, of hell, these assholes playing Armageddon is written in Los Angeles. <clears throat> and I'm going, look, this shit's going to stop. And so I uninstalled the Torah from the Patriot King David. I didn't kill the Torah. I simply removed it from King David so that King David's honor is saved with the return of the two commandments and eight rules and nothing is written. I didn't say for the rest of of Judaism, just the family of David, because King David made poor decisions trusting the Torah. And these four decisions have affected all of us. And if we have a prince and the prince uninstalled the Torah from the king, the king is saved. And that was the best way to do it. Uh, Monslan's dad's the last czar's winekeeper. He's a Prince of King David, due to the book Finding Our Fathers, a guidebook to Jewish genealogy, as Isidore Lurie. So he's actually on paper in a book as a Prince of King David. Revelation said some nincompoop from the paper King David had to do something at the end of the age. Welcome to the end of the age. With the delivery of all these tools, the age of Aquarius is upon us. And by rising to Aquarius, I was born on the 26th of January, so I've always been Aquarius. But by rising to the role, and putting all these tools out here for hypnosis and remote viewing and space time analysis to the public domain in Brewer, Los Angeles, which the article is unfortunately now gone. And the tools are now at the Medium article. But to get them to the public any way I could, uh, the paper of King David has completed its task. We were supposed to deliver tools for hypnosis, remote viewing, space time analysis to Egypt and then Greece and then China. We went there anyway. And we carried a document that reads, so we both parents homosexual, and the pork was unclean. Obviously, the guy who wrote the Torah didn't want us to win the, the, the race. He put this on our path, and we went another way. Yeah. So you're saying in a weird way that you don't think the Torah helps the Jews. It kind of hurts. Ultimately. Oh, it's, it's painful. It's very, very painful. But the thing is... Uh, the person who wrote it wanted to get a message back to an intelligent audience when the intelligent audience was intelligent enough to understand who wrote the Torah and why. What about the Vatican, though? I mean, we, we haven't really talked they're about that. They're doing the best they can with crap. But uh, they're, the, the thing is... <laughs> Aren't they uh, the evil ones? That's what, that's what you hear a lot no, from people. No, no, no. The, every person I've met in the Catholic Church went for... A divine reason of their own choosing and some of these people are really really nice and some of them are assholes and that's the way the whole world is and it has nothing to do with the church as a whole it has to do with the actions of individuals trying to control groups when groups need to be free so you like the pope uh the new pope seems more interesting than the old pope but uh, I haven't read enough of his stuff to really understand where, where he's up to yet. Uh, after because John I was going to say, I mean, look, you're talking it, about the Torah, but, 
I mean, there's stuff in the New Testament, too, about homosexuality and, um, you know, looking at, I mean, looking at people inferior, right? Like, isn't there, there's racism. But the thing is, when the foundation beneath the Constitution, when the foundation beneath the Torah falls away, the Gospels are built on top of the Torah. Right. When the Torah goes away, the Gospels, in essence, have lost their have lost their footing for Judgment Day with two commands and eight rules, and that's why Christianity finds itself at the end of the age, because Islam set this whole thing up. It's just it, the the family of David needs to reunite as a family and nothing more, and with two commands, eight rules, and t- tools for hypnosis and remote viewing, it's based on analysis. We can reboot heaven on earth. Something went wrong. And do fantasy travel, and and uh, you you can download knowledge and relive any day of your life that you wish that you could have bitter memories of, and you can. It's just your your ability to know more of what you have already experienced is here. You don't have to wait till the day you die to relive your life. You can relive it every day of your life, twice on Sunday. So, <laughs> so for the record, I have been speaking to the next incarnation of King David this entire time? Probably. That's the horrible reality of the, of the thing. Now, is there anybody else up, there who has a similar genetic condition that could also say, I don't minute, know. I'm King David. If there's anybody else that's XXY and, and Jewish could out eat, do that as well. But the thing is that this is, since the Torah is game design, the wisest thing is to get knighted and then put the world to bed and, and uh, stand down because a kingdom enslaves the king if you want freedom you must not be a king in reality kingdoms only work in fantasy and having been king arthur at camelot bbs richland washington i can tell you that even just running a bbs was a lot of work i was a bulletin board operator back before the internet and i found that uh the computer geeks that were BBS members never left their computers. They never went out. They never did anything. They were homebodies. And there wasn't much of a way of a civilization happening. So once a month, I invited everybody to come somewhere. We'd all get together, bring our games and play game night and uh, drink coffee. And we have a coffee night, go to a restaurant and have a restaurant coffee night. And then I rented out Howard Amon Park, which was a large park in Richland and held a barbecue, and I called every single member of my bulletin board, which I had 200 members on my bulletin board system, and uh, asked how many people would come to my barbecue, and I had a, a head count of about 200, and so I bought 300 hamburger patties, and I bought hundreds of hamburger buns, and they rented out this park, and 10 people showed up for the barbecue. Wow, so, so you we were actually our... King David. You were the king in this sense. Well, the thing is, BBS operating systems, uh, Lord Jackson uh, was with uh, his BBS, and you had uh, the term. I, what know, is BBS, for, for those that don't know? Bulletin board system. It was the prequel to uh, Craigslist, I would say, would be the closest right, memorabilia right. to an all-text, non-graphic, environment that was a bitch to use and you had to follow the rules or the rules would eat you up alive but you had the ability to 
to write to people who were stuck at home just like you were in front of your computer and they were in front of their computer and leave messages and have long, lengthy conversations that would go on for days and months and years about stupid shit that nobody else in the world cared about, but we did because we found an audience in our personal niche. And I went to alt-hypnosis and in 2003 posted scriptnosis to the international public domain so that there was a international contractual platform in the public domain so we could build a uniform field for discovery and wonder and all our works could jukebox together into a complete and holistic field instead of everybody working on different platforms and nothing working together holy crap i was really kind of pissed at myself it's like yeah again my, why aren't you part rich? of my mind is going <laughs> why did i put the rest, my whole life work in the public domain and the answer is i was so pissed at bush with terror meters the only way i could protect my kids was to start teaching anybody who would listen how hypnosis works so that terror meters don't work terror meters just make people a little crazy but don't abuse people on a mass scale the way that they were designed Tell me about this. You said a lot of people think you're nuts. Is that does that go for your kids too? I mean, do people think you are uh, your family? Do they understand this? What exactly is happening here? Well, it's really kind of fun. Uh, I just don't talk about the stuff I'm working on because a lot of people don't understand it. A lot of people think hypnosis is crazy. That's true. I'm sure you've been. I'm sure you've encountered things with hypnosis where people looked at you and just think. This guy's nuts. I, I don't right, know right. And the problem is, you know what you know, and you know what you know works, but they will never know because they won't try it. They won't open the door. They won't open the book. And you, this is the United States of America. You just have to love them and let them be. And it's the way of the world right now. The best thing you can do is be loving and compassionate and let them be. But at the same time, give them the best tools that money can't buy so that if they want to crack open the book and learn how to do it, uh, my appendix is written. So if you want your guest to experience this, write your suggestion like that. So the first time you write one of these scripts, you have expert results the first time you run one of the script notes sessions because I wanted people to learn at an accelerated rate where they could trust themselves and other people would trust them because they trusted the script. They did not trust the hypnosis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. My brain is overloaded. Um, if Sorry. It, no, no, don't apologize. I, I am uh, just taking it all in. You've apologized multiple times. Do you feel that you have to sometimes? I mean, is that kind of just your, your, um, because of the way you think that you often have to, uh, you know, apologize for who you are or explain yourself to others or. I, I am a, uh, a blur. Uh, I, <laughs> I have yeah. the biological, uh, genetics for two brothers and a sister in me that I'll never know, but I can feel them. And from time to time, I have to break things down as how would this guy deal with it? How would that guy deal with it? How would a woman deal with it? And make decisions that don't affect the, the butch 
from the uh, really uh, seductively gay from the average feminist so that all three will look at me go listen to us you didn't upset us and we appreciate you at least taking the time to treat us with respect wow uh, this nation, that feels like a burden this, that feels like such a burden i i'm sitting here this, going this is a, all of us in the united states have this burden by being born here you have to listen to people and you have to accept them they are going to be different. They're going to have different values. They're going to hate you for whatever reasons that they hate. As long as they leave you the fuck alone, they're free. You're free. Welcome to America. That's the way it is. And it's been a very interesting experience living in Richland, Washington, because growing up here, if a person was from a minority, they were the top people in the world. The, if the, the African-Americans are working here, the top of the world, uh, field scientists, doctors, lawyers, because I'm, I live next to a nuclear facility. We've got security here like you wouldn't believe. There, it's, it's ingrained into everything. You want to be really careful about not pissing off the powers of being. So I went to the FBI, the U.S. Secret Service, and everybody and told them everything I'm doing before I did it so that they could say no. And they didn't. The free radicals were surprised that a free radical would go to them and spell everything out and say, this is what I intend to do. Do you have a problem? And they said, are you going to kill anybody? I said, no, you might, but I'm not going to. Fine. Right. As long as you're not going to take a weapon and be our enemy, we're fine with this. Build us a case. Great. We don't have time. We don't even know what you're talking about. We think you're nuts. Prove to us you're not nuts. Okay. It's going to take some time. And some of the taking of the time is building tools so that parents can teach their kids hypnosis so that kids can use it to cram for finals and make straight A's and blow the curve. I mean, anything you can do to be a better student, if you can go back to that point where you were looking at a chart of the nucleides, and remember every little nuance of the data so that you can blow a, uh, an A curve in a chemistry test. Everybody else in the class is fucked, but you are allowed to bring your brain into the class. And any way you can use your brain effectively, you can use it. And that's what hypnosis is. You can take a person back to an image that they were shown as a baby and they will re-visualize it. But now with the ability to read, they can then read the things on it that they only visually, graphically captured the first time they saw it. I've been telling parents, if you get a chance, show babies charts and things that they would use in college so that you can then have them harvest this knowledge later on in life. Have you seen this play out? Has that worked for any parents? I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> no, I, 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 I've... I've yeah. used it for for things that I have, but uh, I haven't. The problem is I'm just one guy on the Internet talking to people that come and go. They have a question. They want to know something. I'll write them a script module and say, this is how I approach it. Do you want me to run the script for you? Uh, I haven't run a script in over a year. I've been mostly working on trying to put this role play in reality to bed, proving that you can play the role as an MMORPG for the protection of your kids by picking up a role and playing it to the hilt and then 
be sure to put it to bed. Is so there a point you when you will life. know, though? Will you know? Because, I mean, so far, multiple times at this interview, I've said, oh, how has that landed with the person in the FBI? What What is is your message? Do people take your message seriously? Does this idea of... I don't, I don't know. They've left me alone. I mean, it's, it's kind of a strange thing. If you read the news, you hear about the crazies that are being... That are, that are causing problems and are being harded off because they're doing stupid fit and uh, QAnon. My question is, why aren't you more interested, though, in that? Because you are clearly interested in testing your work. I, I mean, as the hypnotist in you, I'm going, well, when you hypnotize people to believe in another reality, you made sure that they were actually in it. Um but for some reason, when it comes to your views on the world, if you if you are to be the cultural hypnotist, which is what I call myself in this show, uh, to get people to hypnotize each other, I mean, are you are you okay with it not working out? Because you seem very impassioned about this. I feel like you do want this to happen. I, I want people to go through the stages of discovery. Hypnosis is weird. I mean, the first time I was hypnotized was easy. The second time I was hypnotized, it was harder. And the, the hypnotist that did it for me said, that's the pattern I keep running into. It's easy to hypnotize someone the first time. And it's much, diff much more difficult to get the person in a subconscious state because for some reason the body is putting in resistance to this thing that managed to get through the first time. Well, yeah, well, so how do you, you work around that? Aware of this. Well, it's, it's just a learning, it's a learning curve. You have to educate people to this before you run the session. Okay, was, tell me this. Was, if everybody studied hypnosis and became great at it, um, but what can we do with it? Yeah. And and what if they didn't care about the Torah? I mean, or, or Yeah, exactly. I mean the thing is it's nothing to do with religion. It has to do with personal best. I've seen people who have been hurt that have healed faster. I found people who were emotionally traumatized who found ways of creating filing systems so that the memories that were hurting them, they chose they chose to not remember them. They were not blacking them out. They made the decision that I've learned everything I can from this. I'm going to file this. I know exactly where it is in this filing system, but because I put it here, it will never pop up in my mind and I will never see it again. And that's exactly what they chose to do. And because they have that level of self-control, that's what they're doing. People don't know they have this level of self-control. What if someone came to you and said, I want you to hypnotize me to read the Torah, but just take all the good parts? I don't know anything about Hebrew to be able to tell them that they'd be able to do that <laughs> if they haven't learned Hebrew. I right. mean, the thing is, the way the way I would do it is I would uh, ask the person, look, would you let me do an experiment and have you change personalities with someone who I know has read the Torah? Mm. And then you use his ability with the knowledge of the of the Torah to get the knowledge that you're trying to find. Yes, that's how right. I would approach. Okay, I don't I don't want him to have to learn Hebrew. We're going to sit here for years. I want him to put his personality aside, bring someone as an expert in Torahic uh, logic, and then have him uh, learn from downloading the knowledge. That's what we have here. We were supposed to live this shit over three thousand years ago. Right. Right. It's the best thing to do is as a Jew is say, here's everything I've got. The family's supposed to deliver this stuff to each of Greece and China. And somebody wanted to show how well it worked and fucked with the rest of us so that we didn't we didn't win the game. This bastard obviously won because uh, 
we haven't reached the the goal of whatever this person has apparently reached because we were all stuck in this game that is being created. But it is definitely game design. Yeah, this thing this thing was designed to fail. It's a system trace. It thickens. Tron, trace on. This thing thickens and clogs and congeals logic. So should anybody pick the Torah up off of your shoulders and use it as weaponry against you, you can track it. You can see why they're doing it because they just want to be mean. They didn't think you ever figure it out. And Hitler had no idea that Prescott Bush was as bully using the Torah as weapon against everybody. When I found the same pattern coming out of George W. Bush, the White House, I said, this, this shit's got to stop. You're going to yeah. use the Torah's weaponry? Your destination is space time. I'm going to learn what does it take to write a Torah and trap for George Bush on the shoulder of the village idiot. I'm the last story in the first Darwin Awards book. I'm the village idiot. I've got, I've got the data to prove that I'm going to learn something because I am stupid enough to try. Right, right. And I can laugh at my mistakes and my life is full of them. Yeah. Wow. David Brager. Well, I better <laughs> I better get home before my wife kills me. I told her to go on Yeah, no, I was going to say, thank you uh, for spending this much time. I, um, you know, look, I'll be, if somebody gets to the end of this interview, thank you for listening if you're with me. Um, because I know this is a long one, but I kind of want to just like drop this on the world. Um, yeah, David, I'll, I'll link people to your group. Is there, um, if people do have more questions about this, uh, is your contact information in the book? Or how should people find you? Well, uh, do you want people to find you? I don't know. I, I've never been famous. Uh, I, my favorite movie is almost famous. It's, it really educates the mind to things you have to be conscious of. Uh, I think the best thing I learned was watching James Corden, uh, interview meatloaf for the first time have you seen that video no i haven't i, I want to watch it now uh you yes it, i just saw this last week he said that meatloaf had just died and uh his first interview ever in his entire life was of meatloaf and meatloaf was explaining in graphic detail of how to deal with uh informing uh press junkets i won't i won't waste your time you have to see it Anyway, thank you so much for a fun time. I hope this was yes. interesting. I hope that uh, I didn't bore the shit out of you. Uh, <laughs> I'm I just bet. trying to, there's just so much stuff I'm going, oh my gosh, I need to really sit and chew. Well, the problem is that because I don't communicate, I, I have birth defects and I don't communicate very well. I have not figured out a way of getting a university to take myself seriously. But uh, Dr. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Darren Ladd, uh, former Washington State University professor, uh, has read through my stuff, and he's at least on my team of someone that says I'm not crazy, and this is interesting stuff. So that's yeah, maybe at some he, point we should get uh, both of you on, and uh, you know, yeah, I, I think so. He, I, I showed him about your about your website, and he goes, "This is really interesting. I'm gonna have to listen to these." So he, he you cracked his uh, interest already. Oh, good. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I, I'd be curious uh, to get this this gentleman's thoughts. Um, yeah, yeah, I, look. I'd like to just get his thoughts anyway without me because uh, I really would rather let him. I don't know him very well. I've only known him for about a year. And uh, he's a full retired 
uh, lieutenant colonel from the Air Force. And uh, he's, he's got a very interesting opinion about uh, the way of the world. And he's very compassionate and very kind. <laughs> and his wife's a kick in the pants. Anyway, yeah. uh, I better get home for before my wife kicks me in the pants. Uh, ah, hey, well, we got over we got over thirty years of marriage in here, so you you, you rule with washes. It's anyway. beautiful. It's beautiful. Hey, look, thank you again for coming on, David Brager. Everybody, check out the future toolkit. Um, the futures, the futures. Yes, yes. Possessive and future. You, you've got a link to download the PDF and the front back cover art. I never got it registered, but I did take it to the Washington State University Library System and the Columbia Basin College Library System. So there's a copy of the book in both of their libraries. But other than that, I, there's no copies for sale. Cafe Press stopped carrying it. It was on a uh, paper press and something pinched my bandwidth off and I couldn't get anything to them. So I just shut up and let that happen. Right. <laughs> Well, the thing is that uh, until this project is done, I'm not going to do anything commercial. I had to make sure that everyone saw I no longer own DavidRaverBenson.com. I no longer own ScriptNosis.com. Because to do something like this, uh, to earn a second coming of anointing one of Messiah, required me to do nothing commercial. I had to do it so the guy gets all the credit and I get none. And so it's just family business. It's just a fair family fight. The family of David versus the burning bush. You have to carry a trap, and for these idiots to use the Torah's weapon, these stupid sacks of shit needed a special trap. Well, hey, I appreciate you doing the work that you're doing for free. Uh, David Brager, thank you again for coming on. Hope to talk again soon. All right, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. David Brager. Yes. What a mind-bending man. I have no idea. I, I don't think I'm educated enough in literary theory to know the differences between the the works. I uh, maybe, maybe J.K. Rowling's Casual Vacancy, the book she wrote after Harry Potter, was written by someone in the future. And, uh, and it doesn't suck no idea. Anyways, I appreciate you listening. Uh, d- 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 let me know what you think. At the Greg Bornstein on Instagram. Have a good weekend, everyone.